Mahomes on the clock. It's over. It's over. Chiefs fans, this is the Sports Radio 810 WHB postgame show. The Chiefs have won. The Chiefs have won Super Bowl 57. If you want Chiefs, follow the leader. Sports Radio 810 WHB. You're not going to believe this, but a divisional game between the Chiefs and the Broncos was closer than it should have been. You're not going to believe this, but the Chiefs' defense was the best unit on the football field today. The Chiefs' offense probably got to claim second place, apart from either thing the Broncos attempted to do, but it's hard for me to say that confidently. This is a victory for the Kansas City Chiefs, and as I'm sure many of you will remind everyone tonight, you don't apologize for a victory. Heck, the Chiefs even covered, or at least got the push if you were maybe a little bit late on the line. But I don't know, within reason, how many people, how many Chiefs fans watched this game tonight and felt better about their team. There's some really interesting stuff that we will dig into. There are some things that I think I might have a little bit better of an understanding on. And some things that I am even more confused about than I was before this game. It's Thursday Night Football. That's always going to be odd. The divisional games and all of that, I hear you. I'll start big picture, positive and negative, which will, of course, and predictably at this point, predictably, what a crazy thing to be able to say. But predictably, as things have gone for a huge chunk of this year so far, I've got a lot of really nice things to say about the Chiefs defense. Because for all of the talk of the Broncos in total disarray, 98% of that is completely true and completely valid. But like 2% should be devoted to noting with the Broncos offense and, and this version of Russell Wilson. This is damning with faint praise, but it's not as bad as last year. There are some real weapons on that Broncos offense. They're a bit hapless as a team altogether, but that's not the part that's let them down predominantly this season. The Broncos' offense is okay. A little less than that, but it's... It's fine. And the Chiefs today made that Broncos' offense look like the 2022 edition. Do they upgrade with Sean Payton from Nathaniel Hackett? Uh, You know, still TBD, I suppose. They'll give Sean Payton more than one year to figure it out, and we'll see how it goes. But when the Chiefs play the Broncos in Denver in two weeks, and yeah, that's not me misspeaking, in two weekends from now, obviously off this weekend, the next weekend will be the Los Angeles Chargers. Game next up, the Chiefs go to Denver and do this all over again at mile high. But the Chiefs' defense today, once again, re-emphasized what we've learned about this unit. This is a legitimate group against whatever opponent. And if you can't find that storyline 
I don't know how to help you. The defense gave up 14 points against the Lions in a losing effort in Week 1, so this Thursday at least went better than last Thursday. Or the last Thursday the Chiefs played on. They held a Jags offense that I thought was good and then thought might not be good, now I think is pretty good again, to 9 points in Jacksonville. Should have shut out the Bears, gave up 10. Gave a shocking 20 points up to a Jets offense that did not look good at all leading up into that game. Zach Wilson made a few big throws. That's the kind of thing that skews a a score. And sometimes you just have a quarterback put the ball where your defender isn't. And then 20 points against the Vikings, pretty much completely shutting down Justin Jefferson. Now tonight, one late touchdown and a two-point conversion. That was sort of hard to watch. But one late touchdown and a two-point conversion... When the late touchdown, for my money, never should have happened. We are not going to have to talk about the refs today because uh, I don't, we're, we're just—it's only when it benefits the Chiefs, I suppose. But that that rough in the passer call on Mike Edwards was soft. Just and I'm not surprised that the NFL calls soft rough in the passer penalties, even though Mahomes cannot buy one. Whatever, fine. It's that's cool. But if you tend to agree that that was a bad call on the roughing uh, penalty, this is either a shutout or the Broncos kick a wave the white flag field goal in that that spot after Russ got sacked. Would have made it really hard to convert on fourth and forever. But if you're still trying to win the football game there, you go for it on fourth and forever. The Chiefs, the way things have been going, let's say they get a stop. Now we're talking about this being a shutout victory for the Chiefs against... Uh, again, compared to last year, a slightly upgraded Broncos offense. Chris Jones is a monster. George Karloftis continues to affect plays in different ways. Batting the ball down is just something this defensive line does well, and it's been that way since Joe Cullen got to town, which is a cool thing that just had to be a part of it. You get turnovers, plural, in a way that should put your offense in good positions, that does put your defense with with the best way to end a drive. You force three turnovers and give up eight points. How is a game even close? How is it stressful in the fourth quarter? How does it a one-possession game in the fourth quarter when your defense gives you that? I'm going to take a pessimist slant on something here. Then I'll take the other side, and then we can spend the rest of the show figuring out if the angel or the devil wins this one. But here's something that I don't don't think is an opinion. I think this is statistically accurate. Because Aaron Schatz tweeted this out last week, that um, the Broncos' defense was measured as the worst defense since DVOA dates back to which I actually think they mentioned this in the pregame show on Amazon. I think that somebody said it went back to like the 80s. I don't know how far back they've kind of retroactively done DVOA. But through four and then again through five weeks of the season, and with a, with a good, imperfect, but a rich catch-all type of stat like DVOA, the Denver Broncos defense was the worst defense in modern NFL history through four weeks and five weeks. 
There was the stat that was going around the last couple of days that, that Patrick Mahomes had never faced a last-place scoring defense. And like we talked about earlier today in the zone, it's weird that today's a Thursday. Even if you took away the Dolphins game, just erased it from history, the Broncos would, I think, at that point be the 28th worst scoring defense in the NFL. If you just take away those 70 points and, and replace it with a shutout, And a Chiefs offense that has had legitimate questions show up about their production, their ability of their pass catchers to separate, their ability on short uh, short yard situations on third and fourth downs, their execution in the red zone. On that day, against that defense, when Mahomes finally got to face a final last place scoring defense across from him. They put up 19 points and it felt difficult. They scored 19 points and their leading scorer was Harrison Butker. Isaiah Pacheco and and Travis Kelsey had tremendous games. A three-yard Kadarius Tony touchdown was the only time a Chiefs player carried the ball into the end zone. And worse still, they were close and could not finish. Time and time and time again. Harrison Butker's field goals were 35 yards. Ugh. 60 yards. A boot. 60 yards and and with juice left on a windy night. 25 yards. And 52. The last one was 52 because the offense couldn't give him an easier shot to ice the game. The 60-yarder apparently doesn't happen if Sean Payton doesn't, for God knows what reason... Call his last time out before the Broncos punt the football away. I don't know if he thought there was a better chance the Chiefs would muff the punt than they would get in the field goal range. If someone was hurt, you got to use a timeout to just like get them off the field. That was never addressed. Matt Derrick, we'll talk to you later on, tweeted that it looked like to him that the Chiefs were content to let that game go to halftime. But the Broncos call a timeout, punt it, the Chiefs get in the field goal range and get three points, and Harrison Bucker kicks that absolute tank. Without a gift from Sean Payton, this game's 13-8 to in the fourth quarter. With, and at this point, I'm almost numb to it, but I know I shouldn't be. But I'm almost there. Andy Reid just has absolutely no interest whatsoever in letting Patrick Mahomes make a play in short yardage. It's infuriating. And, and there are degrees to this. So here, here's my like little reasonable, the, the, the reasonable angel on my shoulder. Sometimes you do weird bleep early in the year. And I mentioned this again on The Zone this morning, too, that uh, Kevin Clark's podcast on, on ESPN, he had Mitchell Schwartz on as a guest this week. And they, they talked a little bit about like that finding your identity through the first six weeks kind of thing. And, and Mitch said, you're not really holding stuff back, but you will put stuff on tape so other teams have to deal with it. Look, the Chiefs are trying to make opposing defenses think about Kadarius Tony and the Wildcat. 
But I think about it more often than I think most defenses do because I do it out of frustration. Opposing defenses just appear to say, well, just follow Kadarius Tony because if he gives that ball to Isaiah Pacheco, it was a great call by Herb Street in the moment. He said Kadarius Tony made his decision before the snap. He decided he wanted to keep this football. If he hands it to Isaiah Pacheco, that's a first down. But he didn't. He kept it and got smothered. They line up for what would have been another bleeping field goal in the red zone. And Tommy Townsend comes up for the tush push. What are we doing? What are we doing? Honest to goodness, what are we doing? I think it was Lucas Niang and Tommy Townsend trying to push Noah Gray on, hear me, hear me on this one, okay? I know we've had a lot of fun with the tush push, the brotherly shove. They, they line up for a field goal on fourth and two from the Broncos' six-yard line. They do all their little motion and direct snap it. When long snapper James Winchester becomes your center, instead of Creed Humphrey, your ball carrier is Noah Gray. And your big bulky backs trying to push him are the punter and your third or fourth tackle. How is that? How in any way whatsoever is that the play? Dylan made a good call in real time. There was a gap there in the the Broncos' field goal defense. Maybe the Chiefs saw it on tape and said, hey, we can can exploit that. The Broncos filled it in a second because they knew what was coming when Noah Gray went under center. To that point, the Chiefs, that was the third drive of the game for the Chiefs' offense. They got to the Denver 17, the Denver 16, and the Denver 5. They left those three drives with three points. I'm sorry, that's not a healthy offense against a defense that was ripe to be absent, have a 30, at least a 30 point performance. I was going to say a 30 burger, but you don't get get to claim a burger for 30. 40 burger, 50 burger, Dolphins put up a 70 burger. Thursday night games are weird. It's a short week, all of that. Yeah, I, I know. I, I I kept that in mind when I said the Chiefs needed to put up 30 today, or this is going to sound like a loss, a post-loss post-game show. And that's a bit of an exaggeration. The Chiefs' offense looks worse now than it did when the NFL, quote, solved them, or when Patrick Mahomes was, quote, broken a couple years back. This might be the most frustrating version of the Chiefs' offense since Patrick Mahomes got here. I don't know if he doesn't trust his weapons or if these receivers haven't earned it yet. Rasheed Rice had a couple nice moments. I think Canarius Tony is a number one wide receiver when he's on the field. Not the number one quarterback who should be getting a lot of direct snap to action at this point, but... You have a head coach that that just has no interest in leaving the offense on the field unless he absolutely has to, which could change in January, and it has before. But I don't understand why that doesn't ever kick in sooner. 
Because here's the other part, and then we'll start taking some calls. We'll hear from Reed and Mahomes and, and everybody else we get from Arrowhead. But this not only was this a get-right opportunity, they were running their trick plays. Travis Kelsey's pitching the ball in, in the middle of a play. They, they're showing their special teams little treats and their wildcats. And if your take right now is that it will look different in January, we're putting a lot of stake in that. We got a lot of faith in, oh, they'll figure it out. And if that's a bet on Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey, I agree with you. But those three guys are all involved right now. And the offense looks laborious. It looks like Mahomes has three options on every play. Travis Kelsey, one. Isaiah Pacheco, two. Himself, three. And that's with me, like, really liking Rasheed Rice. That's just me thinking that Justin Ross might have gotten so much as a target in this game, which I don't believe he did. I don't know how many snaps he played, despite the fact that uh, Justin Watson left late with a well, ultimately with an elbow injury and looked horrendous. So we'll get an injury update from Andy Reid, but hope Justin Watson is some form of okay. It was, it was that was a rough a rough sequence to watch. But the Chiefs offense just scored one touchdown against the worst NFL off- NFL defense in, in modern recorded history. We are at NBA levels of they'll figure it out for the playoffs. And that's not with load management of Travis Kelsey. That was, that's with Travis Kelsey being the only thing consistent in this offense. The good news is the Chiefs are 5-1 and one and have not played a great game of football against anyone other than the Chicago Bears. That's the good news. The good news is they're the number one seed in the AFC, and we can all watch Red Zone on Sunday and not even wonder about where the Chiefs are going to stand. If the Chargers win, then they can put some more juice in the next week. The Chiefs will have a couple extra days. The Chiefs are going to win the AFC West, and right now they're in a great spot to, to be the one seed in the AFC. First round by host the AFC Championship game. All of that. But I don't like feeling like I've seen the future. And I don't want to be here in, in December and January talking about how, well, in the AFC Championship game against the Bills, Andy Reid's really going to have it figured out. That's when Sky Moore is going to break out. I don't think that's a good bet. So still on some level, I do believe that the Chiefs offense is going to figure some things out. That the young receivers will continue to develop. That Rasheed Rice, who had a nice game today with that big play towards the end. There's going to be good stuff. And this is a very good football team. And the defense is awesome. But I don't know who to trust on offense, and I don't know who the Chiefs do either. Dylan, you can give me a thumbs up, thumbs down, thumbs sideways, but I feel like it's a late night show. we got a lot of commercial breaks that we need to hit, and if we take one right now, we can come back, take some calls, and then start to hear live from Arrowhead. It seems like everything out there is up and running. You good with us taking an early break? Look, I mean, if Sean Payton can call timeout for no reason right before the, the start of, uh, of halftime, I can take a little Start early time at myself. Yeah. yeah, I feel like, look, I mean, this show is nothing if not poorly coached. 
and poorly executed. Always. Doesn't score very often. Almost never. But is incredibly defensive. Hey, you know what? We got some things in common. We'll take a time out. If you're on hold now, we will try to blaze through a whole bunch of calls when we get back. It's a full phone board. I know people have a lot of thoughts on this shocking, weird game that the Kansas City Chiefs have played. It's a 19-8 to victory. Probably not Scorigami, but not one I've seen in recent memory. A dominant and underwhelming win for the Chiefs. Our expectations are high. The Chiefs have set them there. We'll continue to talk about that. We'll take your calls and hear the pressers from Arrowhead when we come back on the Sports Radio 810 WHB Postgame Show. Wilson in the pocket. Step and throw. He floats it to the right side. It's caught by P. Ryan. He loses the football and recovered by Kansas City. McDuffie knocked it free and Willie Gay on the recovery. And that's all she wrote. Trent McDuffie has been fantastic this season, and that is our sweet play of the game brought to you by Andy's Frozen Custard. A thunderous hit introducing cannoli thunder concrete at Andy's Frozen Custard. This Italian stallion of flavors is made with fresh vanilla frozen custard, crispy cannoli shells, sweet cream filling, and chocolate chips. Go to eatandys.com for the location nearest you. The Chiefs victorious today, although, again, I said earlier this week that if this was not a 30-point performance from the offense, this might feel like a post-game show after a loss. They didn't break 20, so that's weird, uh, against the worst defense by points allowed in the NFL this season, one of the worst defenses in modern NFL history, depending on what metrics you choose from. It wasn't a loss, though. That, I mean, honestly, a lost post-game show would have had significantly, significantly worse vibes. The Chiefs are 5-1, and one, alone at the top of the AFC. That's all great. But they couldn't do bleep in the red zone, with one exception. And uh, the defense is fabulous. The offense clearly still has some things to work on. We'll go out to Arrowhead in a little bit, but in the meantime, I want to take the calls of everybody who's been waiting on so far. We'll open it up with Bo. Bo, you're on the Sports Radio 810 WHB game Show. How you feeling? Hey, what's up, man? First time caller, but I was arguing with Seren over this uh, this week. These receivers, it's like a help wanted. It says, please, if you could get separation, do apply. And the other thing is, this offensive line they got so much money it tied up in and stuff. Just, it's just not. I mean, what you expected for what you're paying for. But I, th- I was telling Seren, I think they need to go after either a Zach Ers. Hollywood Brown or a Hunter Wintrow or Devonta Adams, somebody that can get some type of separation to help this offense because it just looks bad. And Valdez Gantley Jr., the dude just, I mean, he cost you on that 68-yard uh, pass to McKinnon. The dude is not productive. He's the highest-paid receiver. If you go after Nicole Hartman or somebody like that, it could do something like that and help the team out. But these receivers are just not stacking up to anything. I was off the air, man. Appreciate you. Hey, Bo, I appreciate your call. Thanks for uh, being a first-time caller with us here. Um, I, before you had even gotten through the wide receiver discussion, Bo, I had MVS's pro football reference page up because I did want to go back and circle through this because I think you're on to something. This year, Mark Westvaldo-Scantling has seven receptions for 116 yards, and uh, I actually that was just his stat line, not including tonight. Let me do the math, and... Yep, uh, seven catches for 116 yards. Because 
He didn't bring one in tonight. Uh, that that like blindside block penalty was weak, but it's the only time we saw him or heard his name in a meaningful way tonight. It. I don't know what to do with with MVS. I got to watch a little bit of the game with the Prime Vision thing, and I do think there's something to be said about stretching a defense deep, making a safety respect somebody there, that MVS was brought in to do that. But you can't possibly, you can't possibly be happy with your highest paid receiver being an expensive decoy that's pacing for like a 400-yard season. I mean, it's just, that's untenable. So I think you're right about that. The offensive line is also a, a good thing to mention. We'll circle back on that one. We'll hear from uh, the rest of the calls in a moment, but Isaiah Pacheco just came up to the podium. Nick Bolton here live from Arrowhead. Nick Bolton from the podium. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like uh, me coming back this week, man, was, was a little bit up and down. Um Again, I think I had a little sloppy tackling. Um, I cleaned that up, but I think that's just you're not going to rust off. But overall, the defense, man, I'm excited for where we're going. Uh, we're teaching in the right direction. Uh, guys get more comfortable playing with each other. Um, and, yes, yeah, executing the game plan. Uh, guys know everybody's going to be in the right spot at the right time. Uh, everybody's flying to the football. And the most important thing, we're having fun while we're doing it. Uh, we keep that up uh, every single week, and uh, we'll be special. Yeah, man, uh, I kind of just felt, felt my ankle messed up a little bit. Uh, I kind of felt like I got it through uh, that game. I uh, kind of went back, looked at, looked at the MRI and stuff, and just, uh, yeah, I just had an ankle sprain. Um, so it's kind of just moving around and trying to get comfortable. Um, and I wasn't ready uh, until this week. I tried to get a go last week. Uh, so I moved around a little bit, just didn't feel good uh, on the turf. Um, so I came back this week, and I kind of gave it a go, and I felt great. So uh, if I can keep this going uh, every single week, man, I'd be pretty good. You're, you're 100% yeah. Yeah, man, uh, I think uh, it kind of helps when you play football for a very long time. Uh, you only get a, a, a two, two months off, uh, so everything's kind of pretty much fresh in your mind. Uh, everybody's used to where everybody's supposed to be at, and then it got coming. Uh, guys coming back playing the same schemes, same positions. Uh, so everybody's playing a little bit faster than what they were last year. Uh, I kind of feel like that kind of attests, attests to everybody's uh, offseason, uh, caring about uh, the product on the football field, not so our coaches, man. They kind of dive in full, full-fledged all, all summer, all training camp, all OTAs, and uh, create a plan for us to go out there and be successful. Yeah, I kind of saw everything I saw on camp. Uh, OTAs, everybody's willing to learn. Everybody going out there trying to execute the game plan. And uh, ultimately, everybody in our linebacker room wants to win. Um, so they're going to do everything they can in their part uh, to, to, to get to that point, uh, regardless of what it takes. And uh, that's what our group is, is about. Uh, that's what we embody, and that's what we try to execute every single day. Yeah, I think uh, Coach Bad did a great job of mixing up looks. Um, able to get them in third and longs. Uh, in the first half, third and two and threes kind of gets kind of difficult. Uh, to try, to, try to heat them up a little bit or, or try to get a four-man rush and let Chris and the rest of the D-line go to work. So uh, I think we kind of did some better in the second half, give them a sec- uh, second and long, third and long, let our D-line do their thing. Uh, ultimately, uh, just getting, again, our uh, DBs getting hands on wideouts and throwing out the time, and I think that was huge today. What did you see in particular on your interception line? Yeah, um, actually, we, we, uh, we played the Vikings last week. Uh, we kind of missed that route. Uh, we call it cafe. Um, so running back to the flat, got a curl and got a vertical route. Uh, we kind of missed it a little bit by two or three yards, and um, I just knew that play was going to come. Uh, the short week, we kind of guys just trying to make sure uh, that they hit plays we, didn't, we weren't good at. Um, so I saw the same pitch, the same play, and I was able to get in that, in that window uh, make the play. Nick, how have you experienced the 
Yeah, man, I think it's huge. We understand what it takes to win in this in this league. Also, we understand how important it is to play home field, have home field advantage all playoffs. It starts this week. Uh, we got another one coming up next week, and um, we're just trying to hold on home field. Uh, we understand what we can do with our fans, uh, and, and Patrick, what he does when he's at home. So, as uh, much as we can, we're going to try to try to get home games here and um, win a division. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely think we got at least about four or five starters in our room. Um, just guys come in every single day, execute, uh, can fly around to the football, get guys in line, uh, and also just communicate uh, as linebackers. And this game is kind of kind of difficult to be able to communicate, get everybody checked up, and then uh, also playing, doing your job. Uh, but those guys, man, since training camp OTAs, they kind of just pride themselves and want to learn, want to evolve themselves uh, mentally on learning the scheme. And so, uh, yeah, those guys come in every single day. I, I didn't expect anything else from them. Uh, again, I gave you all the comments in the world, man, every single week uh, that uh, we got it, man. Just, just get healthy. Um, so uh, let, me, let me do that. And, um, yeah, our defense, off, I mean, uh, our linebacker room, man, is just going to be special uh, going forward. Anyone else? Yeah, thank you. There you go, Nick Bolton live from Arrowhead. May hop right back out there for some more pressers. Uh, may hop back over to the phones. Everybody hold tight for a second. Um, in the meantime, I wanted to finish the point that Bo made earlier about the wide receivers and trading for a target. Here's I don't I don't fundamentally disagree. I kind of practically disagree because I don't know if any of those options are going to help the Chiefs' current problem, which is right now they got a lot of number three and number four pass catcher types, and they need they need someone to evolve to a higher level than that. I'd be very open to a return from McCole Hardman um, for either as a free agent or for like a late future conditional pick swap or whatever. I just don't know. Hollywood Brown's kind of fun. I just. I don't know. I, I'm, I'm not sure I see there being a, an acquirable option that would really change things. Bo mentioned Devontae Adams. I kind of tweeted about him a little bit tongue-in-cheek-wise uh, watching the Raiders game this week. Uh, something A big splash would be a blast. A lot of the smaller, less substantial moves would... I don't know if adding a new pass catcher into this group makes that much, makes that much better. Um, if the Patriots are done with Juju, I'd call. That Part of that issue was multi-years, guaranteed money. Well, the Patriots took care of all that. If they're done with Juju, he was just in this offense. Mahomes trusts him. He knows the timing. He understands the ethos of this offense. Juju Smith-Schuster might be the one that I go ahead and I say, all right, that's, that one is, is feasible and helpful without necessarily taking work away from Rasheed Rice, who I want to see get as many snaps as possible. Um, that might take snaps from Sky Moore, but I'm a little less bullish on that experiment than I am on the Rasheed Rice one at this point. And and meanwhile, there's still you know a ton of snaps being given to to him and MVS without them being terribly productive. Nice to see Sky have a a chain moving catch late in the game, uh, but two for 22. It's just the Chiefs spent the offseason talking about Sky Moore and Kadarius Tony as their kind of number one receiver options, and I think it's Rasheed Rice, and I, and I don't know that it's that close. Uh, I love Kadarius Tony; they're just not really using him that way. So we'll see where he ends up. Um, Dylan, any uh, any rustling out there from uh, from Arrowhead yet? All right, so it looks looks quiet enough. So let's let's hop into the calls here, and I'll try to uh, try to keep it quick. Uh, Gary, if I cut you off, I apologize, sir. What's on your mind? Well, just watching the game, and I was having flashbacks. I couldn't tell if it was the 1990s Kansas City Chiefs or the Alex Smith-led Kansas City Chiefs, <laughs> because you could pick your poison on which one you're watching. Patrick Mahomes is putting up Alex Smith-type numbers right now. <clears throat> you're making too much money to be putting up numbers like that. These guys are supposed to be getting better around you. We're six weeks into the season, and we're not seeing any improvement. And there isn't going to be any improvement from these guys. You see a flash here and there from Rasheed Rice, 
everybody else, they're nothing. You know, everybody, oh, well, we got Justin Watson. Justin Watson's not going to be a guy that's going to have six or seven catches for a buck every week. He's going to be a guy that's going to make a play here, make a play there. It's not going to be anything consistent. Sky Moore, they got to do gadget plays just to get him open. Yeah. And then Kadarius Tony, here's an idea if you're going to run the ball. Turn your shoulder square to the line of scrimmage so you can actually get upfield instead of running parallel with it. I just don't understand watching these guys. I mean, and you don't, I don't want anybody blaming any play calling. It's not play calling. It's lack of talent. The X's and the, the, and the O's. Jimmy's and the Joe's, too. And we have no Jimmy's and Joe's on this offense. I mean, the schedule's going to start getting tougher. Teams are going to go after Kelsey knowing that he's the only option and everything we can do is short to intermediate. Defenses know they can come up and play us. It's ridiculous. And defensively, they were good tonight, but they got pushed around on defense. I mean, the Broncos ran the ball on them. They didn't. They didn't. If the Broncos would have stuck with that run, this game could have been a lot different too because I think this defense is vulnerable to the run and I think we were the. I think the Broncos were the most physical team tonight, but we did come out on top, and most importantly, we did cover. But just tell me, am I wrong when I think I'm watching either a '90s version or an Alex Smith-led Chiefs team? I'll hang up and listen. Great show, Josh. Gary, I appreciate you, and I'm not going to let you say that the Chiefs' defense got pushed around the night they had three turnovers and gave up eight points. But I hear you on the ground game thing. Uh, the, the Broncos, I think, would have it would have made sense for them to try to commit to that a tiny bit more with the way their pass game wasn't going. In part because the secondary is very good. But I'll let you have it and say that no, I. I don't. I don't think that anybody can can look at this Chiefs receiving core and say they've got Jimmys and Joes or dudes. I, I think. I think Rasheed Rice has that potential. The potential is different than having arrived. I think at this point we're talking about Sky Moore as a as a solid role player is like the hope. I don't know what to do with MVS. Like I'm. I'm not going to predict a breakout game. I'm not taking any of his overs until he does it for a little bit, a few games in a row. I. I don't know how he's being used, if it's different than in the past, or if he's just not beating anybody. But unless you think that Patrick Mahomes has gotten significantly worse at football, it's his surroundings here. And I, I think it's interesting. I'm not I'm not really looking to blame the, the play calling in sort of the larger offensive sense. I will blame the in-game decisions by Andy Reid in plenty of instances, but... It would be really, really hard for me to say you're objectively wrong when you say these, this wide receiving core has a lot to prove still. Next up, we go to George. George, uh, talk us uh, talk us back from the ledge a little bit. How you feeling? Well, if you had eight and nine in your squares, you did good today. Yeah, no kidding. And if you're not a Cowboys fan, you did good today. You, I wasn't even going to go there. I'm sorry. You volunteered it so freely last week. I let you go to watch Sunday well, Night Football. and I, Well, supposedly I had something to do. <laughs> you supposedly. did. The Cowboys didn't. Well, as someone said in one of the ESPN broadcasts, the Rangers scored more than the Cowboys that same oh. night. <laughs> no, I'm sorry that you had to watch that. No. It, well, I watched both. But I, was, I was okay. Um, <laughs> go Rangers. Um, okay. So... Everybody basically has taken my thunder on the on the lack of separation of the receivers, on the inability of the offense to keep Mahomes within the pocket. I know he loves to get out of the pocket, but look at all the Travis Kelsey catches. Mm. Every one of them was because Mahomes got out of the pocket. Yeah. 
okay? And if you can't protect him for more than three seconds, what's he going to do? Going to leave that pocket because that pocket's not there anymore. And and that's the that's the calamity that I believe is the issue. Hmm. Uh, the defense is good. Offense can be better, but they are solid enough. But remember when we thought that the Jets were solid enough yeah. to lose big, and yep. they still kept plugging away and plugging away. Uh, I don't like it. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to see it. All, all I'm going to go back to is we've got the Eagles, we've got the Dolphins, we've got the Bills. You know, they're coming up. You can't rely on the Raiders being this bad again. You really can't. Uh, you can't rely on the on the Broncos to being this bad again. Uh, Twenty-seven points is the most without the other the Bears game. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just. Where where is the offense? Uh, I, I cannot hope that this is the best we can do. Yeah, uh, we're we're two points better than we were against the Jaguars, and the Jaguars were one point better than the Broncos. <laughs> wow! Yep, that's right. There's there's your thought for the next six weeks, sir. I'm gonna have to uh, meditate on that. I appreciate you, George. You bet. Good luck. Uh, good luck with the Cowboys bouncing back. I. I I hate to hear George sad, but I don't mind it when the Cowboys lose. It's, you know, I contain multitudes. That's the thing with the offense. I legitimately believe the Chiefs can win the Super Bowl with their with the, the roster that's currently constructed. I think Patrick Mahomes could probably run for 80 yards in an AFC championship game and two touchdowns, and that, that might be enough. But it's been a persistent issue and this is the worst defense you're going to see, with the exception of two weeks from now when you see this defense again. You saw the Bears and put up 40. You went 19 against the Broncos today. And again, it's not just the final score. It's not just the results that matter. It's the process. They were bad on short yardage. They were bad with their short yardage decisions. They were bad on the red zone. And if those things continue, their season will end earlier than it should. Next up, we got Travis. Travis, you're on 810. What's up, man? How you feeling? Hey, man, I am not feeling very good. <laughs> uh, so I'm going to disagree with uh, the, the caller that that uh, said that he didn't think it was a play calling. I'm not saying it's all in the play calling. Andy Reid did not have a good night tonight. That's true. And, and you can say that it's not play calling, but <clears throat> the 23 yards plant past the Rasheed Rice. Mm-hmm. Looked incredible, and then we didn't see Rishi Rice for another almost half football. So Isaiah Pacheco was running the ball pretty well up the middle, and then I, we did not see very much of that the rest of the game either. Correct. I think using MVS just to take the top off, that is just – I just don't understand why. I, mean, I know why it's important, but you're going to pay that guy that much money. Um, something else that I noticed, I noticed that last week uh, – I know, not uh, yeah, last week, and I noticed it the the Jets game, and again tonight, Mahomes is getting more and more frustrated every week. Yeah, and I don't think that that's good. You do not want to. It's clear that Brett Beach and and Andy Reid and the powers that be have bought in a little bit too much. Not that they shouldn't. I mean, he's the greatest football player ever, I think, but he can't do it all. He literally can't do it. And if Kelsey's not doing anything, and if Pacheco's not doing anything, he is all on his own. Yeah. I think another issue is the offensive line. I don't think has played particularly well. I think our tackles are not good. Uh, on the sack that he took there at the end, 
Mm-hmm. I'd have to go back and look at it, but it looks like Trey Smith has to lean over and help out uh, Jawan Taylor. I think it was Jawan Taylor yeah. uh, on the right side, and that's what freed up the, the gap for the for that guy to come straight through. I think that's why we're seeing more and more pressure up the middle is because they're having to help the left and right tackles mm. constantly. This offense will not – I'm be honest. Like, I'm not trying to be overly dramatic, but mm-hmm. this is week six, and, and they have not improved at all. If that is the case, we will not win a boat race against the Chargers or against the Bills or the Bengals or the Eagles. Like, if, if this is how it's going to be, it is going to be a very early season for us. Not saying that we won't make the playoffs. I think we will. But I, I, I am going to disagree with you. The way the offense is right now, I don't think there's any way in the world they can win the Super Bowl. With I mean, The offense is average. Can you believe that we're saying that about a yeah. Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reid-led offense, that it's average at best right now? I Travis, so, I, I appreciate the call. You made a bunch of good points. And I, I think the thing there – is exactly the the frustrating, disconcerting part. It looks normal. You watch the Chiefs' offense tonight, it didn't look a ton different than the Broncos' offense. The Broncos' offense had a few more turnovers, a couple more turnovers to be precise, and one touchdown. The, The Broncos didn't wave the white flag as much as the Chiefs did in terms of the short yardage stuff. But you're going to watch football on Sunday, and you're going to see a bunch of offenses that look similar to what you saw from the Chiefs tonight. And that that is the standard that we're holding the Chiefs to because they have one of the greatest offensive minds in football history coaching them and the greatest quarterback currently living playing quarterback for them. And the greatest tight end of all time being the one and only fully reliable pass-catching option. It's tough. It's a rough scene. Uh, Dylan, still good over there? I got time to sneak in one more call. I'm going to do that minute because uh, Zach's been on hold for a minute. Zach, appreciate you waiting on hold, my friend. What's going on? Hey, I'll try and be quick, Josh. But I, the, all these conversations make me think of a tweet that I saw the other day from a Chargers fan account retweeting somebody complaining about the Chiefs not doing well. And it said, this is the NFL equivalent of a Nepo baby talking about the struggles of growing up rich. <laughs> totally and I fair. I think that's true because, yep. <laughs> guys, we are five and one. We have a top five defense. Like, give me a break. If the biggest issue at the end of the day is that Andy Reid is, you know, taking play calls from Make-A-Wish kids and, like, running crazy wildcats on third and one instead of giving the the ball to the best player in the NFL, that's going to get figured out at some point. Andy's going to get it figured out. The wide receivers, we already are starting to see better. Look at Rice. He is consistently getting better every single time. And Travis Kelsey is Travis Kelsey. If we can keep Kelsey and Rice and Pacheco injury-free, and if Andy Reid can pull his head out of wherever it is right now and wherever it goes on third and one, we're going to be okay. Think of the interception. That was points taken away. Think of us, instead of running a fourth and one behind a 302-pound Creed Humphrey, we ran it behind a 209-pound Winchester. We might get that next time if we go with a 302-pound All-Pro. Yeah. So – 
you know, at, at the end of the day, it was really frustrating. But when they were kind of in the middle of the field, they were driving at will. And they should. It was a terrible defense. Mm-hmm. And they weren't scoring. But they weren't scoring because they were hurting themselves. Those are fixable things. Andy Reid was, you know, drawing up some sort of crazy plays because he knew he could. He knew this was a game that we were going to win anyway, and I hate that we kind of approached it that way, but it is what it is because it's only weird games, and that's whatever we play for some reason. But when we get to serious teams, the play calling is going to be more serious. The receivers are going to have a little bit more experience under their belt. They are going to continue to improve because, like I said, Rice with almost 80 yards, that's the most he's had so far. He's going to get better. I'm excited to see where this goes. Chill out, guys. We're going to be okay. The play calling is crap, but Andy Reid is one of the best play callers in history. It will get better. Thanks, and have a good night. Hey, I appreciate it very much, Zach. Appreciate the uh, great taste in podcasts also. I think it's a pretty good cop to say this is Nepo Babies complaining about how hard life is, but also that is the weight of expectation. That is the challenge of all of this. When you have a ceiling that you expect to be higher and you keep hitting your head on a four-foot ceiling, it is frustrating. The defense being this great is hilarious. Because you're right. If Think about the, the inverse. If this was a team that was supposed to be built on defense and you just needed an offense to scrape by, if this was the Jets, if the Chiefs were the Jets, you'd be thrilled with this elite defense that can win you a championship as long as this offense can score enough. And tonight they scored enough. I just don't want the Chiefs to feel like the Jets. <laughs> that's, you know, that's me being the Nepo baby a little bit. And I'm willing to accept that. You're listening to the Sports Radio 810 WHB Post Game Show here on Sports Radio 810 WHB Kansas City. I'm Joshua Briscoe. Dylan Michaels on the other side of the glass. Covell Hudson producing as well. We'll take a timeout. We're going to come back. We'll uh, take the calls that are on hold right now. And then we have a ton of audio from Arrowhead coming through from our own Nate Bucati getting to catch up with a bunch of dudes in the locker room. Plus uh, Harrison Butker. Uh, we, what, what was the list there, uh, Dylan? I, was, uh, I have a few of these from Nate also. Rasheed Rice. Justin Reed, Trent McDuffie, Willie Gay, Harrison Butker. That's going to be the group that we work through over the course of the evening. Plus, again, we'll keep taking your calls on the other side of this timeout here on the Sports Radio 810 WHB Postgame Show. Play action. Good pocket. Intercepted at the 42-yard line. Nick Bolton right there intended for Jerry Judy and down to the end zone they go. That defense... To celebrate, Wilson threw it right to him, and Casey gets it. Three nothing, Chiefs. That was a heck of a play from Nick Bolton. It's our defensive play of the game, brought to you by Slagle Fence. Slagle Fence, as Kansas City's preferred fence company, has been serving the KC metro areas for over a decade, offering security and style. Call 816-863-6159 or go to slagelfence.com for your free estimate. Don't need an estimate on the Chiefs' defense. They were fantastic tonight against... uh, Average to below average test. The thing we've spent most of the time talking about today, though, has been the fact that against the worst defense in football, the Chiefs put up 19 points. Let's see which side of the ball Dan would like to start on. Dan, appreciate you waiting on holding, my friend. How you feeling? 
I'm feeling great, Joshua. It was a great game uh, tied by the defense. You know, the offense did just enough to get behind, get ahead. You know, and they bang our touchdown with the Tony and the interception on the uh, Nick Bolton on the Russell Wilson. And I agree with you, uh, Joshua. The offense will just get better. You know, and I don't mind the wildcat. You know, just uh, you know, if it works, you know, fine. That's, but just give them home and make a call run place. And uh, I agree with what you said about uh, Juju. He never should have left the Chiefs in the first place. If the Patriots keep losing, I would welcome Juju back. So let's have the fun and take care of the Chargers at two weeks. Scary stuff, Joshua. Dan, I appreciate it, sir. Thank you very much. Uh, look, I like I like having a little bit of the positivity that can come with the good things here. It's just there's a lot of moving parts, man. We've got to figure out exactly what this team is. And uh, it's still October right now, but these months in the NFL move fast. So figuring out where it all lands will... Uh, Will be an ongoing process. Next up here, we got Jerry here on Sports Radio 810. Jerry, what's on your mind? Good evening, guys. It was a fun game for me. I enjoyed all of it. I don't have all the gripes that everyone would have about the offense and all that stuff. I'd like to make three statements, though. Kadarius Tony, remember the play where he tried to do the pass? Oh, yeah. I almost forgot that, that, that happened. That was a good one. I mean, <laughs> that, I I had no problem with that. It was kind of a mess up with yep. presenting from Clyde Edwards-Alaire, which practice will make that better. And I think it was almost like a preseason game with the first starters. It made it to be like, uh, oh, I don't know. They were trying gadget plays. Mm-hmm. I've I seen a few gadget plays, but... One of the things I saw that really, it, it started at the beginning. It was Travis Kelsey's left-handed backward yeah. pass to Noah Gray for a first down. They only ended up with a field goal off the deal, but that made the whole game for me. And then whenever they did pan up to Taylor, I, I wasn't going to, I told Trent I wouldn't bring her up again, but when I saw the Queen Mum talking with her and I was reading her lips, I seen the Queen Mum say something. I have to see it. And what is it? It made me go, hmm, I wonder what it is. Hmm. But, no, Travis did really well. I wish they could have gave him one more pass for 76 yards and he could have had 200. I would would have loved a a nice little 76-yard completion, Jerry. I appreciate your call as always, man. Whoops, sorry, I hit the – I think we're in the goodbyes. I don't mean to cut you off, but I I appreciate that very much. I'm sorry, I got – I'm a little confused because, hey, man, if – if you wanted to, if you wanted to be on the show, you, you could just come back. So Dylan just said there's a bearded Celtics fan on line seven. Bearded Celtics fan on line seven. You're on the air. Well, I was hoping we'd be able to talk about Drew Holiday, but uh, that <laughs> I guess that was a week or so too late. What on earth are you doing, Beards? Why are you, you calling know, the show? I, well, I was playing Starfield, and you know, after watching the game at work, um, <laughs> I actually had thoughts. Share your takes, Beards. This is incredible. Um, so how many people have you had call about wide receivers tonight? I was keeping all track. Them? I was all keeping track here. Hold on. I got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven callers before you. I had the first four definitely were all pretty slanted negative to the receivers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, I fall in line more with that, but I do want to bring it back to this point. So... Do you remember the show that you that we did last year? Jason was gone. It was after the Texans game, but it was, I guess, before the Broncos game. And I had the point of, um, I think this chief offense is pretty average, and they're probably not a Super Bowl caliber offense. And then, of course, they won the Super Bowl. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, um, I, I don't think it's that level. Um, mm-hmm. 
I don't think they're at that just yet. I actually listened this week to Only Weird Games. Um, unbelievable. Beards must be drunk. Inc- incredible. And <laughs> Nate, I think, got close to this point where he was talking about, like, this is probably the last good Travis Kelsey year, or at least the last exceptional Travis Kelsey year. Yeah. Um, this team feels woefully underprepared for the post-Travis Kelsey era. And... I don't think they're going to do anything like at the trade deadline to fix that. I don't think they're going to get any big wide receiver. Um, so I'm curious as to how they do fix that. Yeah. Uh, but I have no idea how they do that. But it's not its not my favorite. It's been your strongest, serious Chiefs take since the moment they traded Tyreek Hill. I, I feel like this is yeah. incredible vindication for you. This is, yeah, this, it's not great. Um. I know Rudy and I are big Rasheed Rice people, uh-huh. and I know he wants who he wants the what tight end the Brock Bowers is that yeah it? yeah I'd like Brock, Brock Bowers. Bowers I would like that very much too that would be interesting but I have no idea what they do to fix it um, I'd like them to go get somebody in the draft like don't worry like trade up mm-hmm. good into like the teens or something and just get a dude that you can stick next to Mahomes for the next five years yeah I would also love that it would be nice this is really weird. So, I, I know. This is a, this is a, I people don't know this. Beards and I actually have not communicated at all since he quit. Um, so this oh. is the first time I've heard his voice in like a year almost now. I think. How do you think Dylan's doing producing? I think he's doing pretty good. We we just figured out Covell is the best audio cutter I think we've ever had. Um, at least we, we've we've adjusted some things, and, and he is absolutely crushing it there. I think Dylan's actually found his sweet spot behind the board. Uh, so if you do just like if you just miss this, we we might be able to. I don't know. I could probably find a couple of liners for you to work on or something. Maybe you could help uh, cut down some locker room audio. You don't want me to co-host. You know what? I do. I do very much. In a in a. Uh, Primetime, late night, Thursday night football, weird game with an unfulfilling offensive performance against the Broncos is truly the time I think we would need you most. I think you actually must have seen the, the bat signal slash beard signal up in the sky. <laughs> I actually, I just remember one thing more I was going to say. Hell yeah. Uh, Rip it. You mentioned earlier that you think Kadarius Tony's a wide receiver one. When he's on the football I field, I do. I don't think the Chiefs do. That's, ex- that's my exact it, concern. It feels like every time they go to him, it feels like it's just one of the gadget clubs. Yeah. So. It's the same It's the same way it feels when they go to, to Sky Moore, but when it goes to Kadarius Tony, there's, like, a payoff. Is there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He had some tough yards last week and moved the chains some. And uh, yeah, I mean, the touchdown was not, you know, a, an incredible bit of route running or whatever. But I, I think we're going to I think we're gonna have a Kadarius Tony game. Uh, I just, uh, I just hope it's in the playoffs again. That would be nice. I would like that very much. Okay. How Starfield? I'm going to go shoot some more aliens. Uh, Dylan, if you'll mark that, and that can make it, if we can make that into the cuts tomorrow, if Jason's done, he said he'd listen while he's like working on show prep stuff to a certain point, right? I don't know if we're to the point of Jason going to bed or not, but if he didn't hear this and we can just play any portion of this in the cuts tomorrow, I think he's, his, his, his head may, may fall off his shoulders. So you might be liable for that, Beards, but it will be hilarious. I need to get more credits because I need to upgrade my second spaceship. I ran out of money trying to make it better. Can you try to acquire a number one wide receiver, please? I'll do it when the Chiefs do. <laughs> Thanks, Pierce. See ya.
The most unlikely cameo of 2023, Beards McFly at Chiefs Takes. I hope he can see the love and support he was receiving on the Twitch stream. Oh. Everyone is clamoring for him to be on the show more than just that one time. We need to make sure. That's, that is fantastic. I am glad that the the Twitch faithful. <laughs> Somebody tweeted that that was more than he spoke when he was actually on the show. Which he, is act- very accurate. It's true. He needed he needed oh, yeah. a year to let these takes. At, at the very least, I mean, I mean we got an off season and six weeks of football. Beards is going to rip a real serious Chiefs take once every six weeks or so. That's amazing. Well, that's just that is a an absolute joy. I am I am thrilled. I can't believe Beards is listening, or at least was. I hope I hope he at least got to hear the love that that is apparently rained down from. From the video feeds. The stream that Beards built. Pretty literally. How about this? You want to hear from the man in charge? Not the man that was formerly in charge here for all of this being Beards. But the man in charge of the Kansas City Chiefs offense. I'm very curious to hear what Andy Reid had to say about how things went in this game. The head coach press conference is brought to you by Robert Brogdon's Olathe Buick GMC and Olathe Kia. And Westlake Hardware, brought to you by Robert Brogdon's Olathe Buick GMC and Olathe Kia. Get a worry-free money-back guarantee on a new vehicle when you buy from Brogdon. Visit BrogdonAutomotive.com. And brought to you by Westlake Commercial. A division of Westlake Ace Hardware, they're your local business-to-business supply partner. Their their commercial team, dedicated business-to-business website, credit terms, and convenient store locations make it easy. Visit your local Westlake Ace Hardware store or westlakehardware.com slash commercial today. We'll start from the top with Andy Reid. He's got an opening statement, some injuries to give, and then perhaps the time will be ours. All right. Um, as far as the injuries go, Justin Watson is really the, the one that got hurt. Um, hurt his elbow. We'll just see uh, see how he does here. Um, it's not broken, so that's a that's a positive thing. It, um, but anyways, uh, the crowd was phenomenal. Bucker was phenomenal. He uh Seasons to amaze me with his kicking. He does. He's so reliable and does a great job with that. Um, our defense was incredible tonight, uh, as they have been. Uh, I think at halftime they had 39 yards or so passing, and uh, that's uh, quite a feat. So um, my hat goes off to Sean and and his his group there. They're trying to build something right there, and uh, that's a uh, you know they're, they're working at it. And he's a, he's a good football coach. He's got a good staff and good player. So our hat goes off to them. And then um, offensively, we, we've got to take care of business in the red zone, had a lot of yards, positive yards, um, but you, you can't stall down there. You can't have penalties. You can't, you know, and a fake, fake field goal. We, we probably want to have that one back on the QB sneak. So anyways, just gonna, okay. All right. Um, so, uh, with that, uh, time's yours. I'm not sure what that little sequence was. I have seen since that there was a leak that started through the me- in the roof of the media room during Butker's presser, which we'll get to momentarily. So, I don't know if that started. I'm not sure what was going on in the media room today. Uh, but, Andy, read the big news there. Not broken for Justin Watson, so that's good. Uh, maybe it was just a gnarly dislocation of some sort. The thing I could see in real time was you know, his, his foot just shaking like crazy, just like in pain, presumably. Um, so, whatever it was seemed deeply unpleasant. 
but not broken, which is a good thing. Uh, next up here, uh, Andy Reid asked about that sneak play and short yardage and, and some of those things. You'll hear the rest of the questions, but here's the, the next act of Andy Reid starting off by uh, thinking that maybe he shouldn't have called that sneak. Yeah, I shouldn't have called that. I mean, it was two yards right there and probably a little bit too far. So, you know, but we were trying to stay aggressive with it. But probably want that one back. Anything you can identify that the boots on offense that yeah, you know what? They were playing soft on us, and, um, you know, I could have called some different plays, uh, to be honest with you. So just uh, when, when teams are playing like that down there. Yeah, we had one good one and then came back with a not-so-good one. Um, so we've got to take care of business with that. Just uh, – um, again, I'll take that one, you know, but that, that wasn't, obviously that wasn't good enough. Travis, in the 120 yards, so always seems to have some successful games with some long throws just today. What did you see out there from him? Just being so successful, especially with the ankle. Yeah, no, he, listen, I, I, you know, he had over 100 yards, Pat had over 300 yards, and, it, you know, kind of gets messy there because of the red zone that, that took place, so. Um, you know, but uh, there were some really good things with Rasheed, you know, had some nice plays. Um, but again, we, we've got to do better and, we, and we'll keep working on that. Coach, you don't, don't have the snap counts in front of me, but it seemed like you guys were playing Rasheed a little bit more today. Uh, what did he do to earn that? Just Yeah, listen, he's been getting better every, every week. I think you guys see that. And um, he's explosive, strong after the catch. So that's that's why. Definitely earned uh, increase in, in snaps for Rasheed Rice, whatever that snap count ended up being. Um, continuing to, to honestly to force the issue with the young receivers, I think is just mandatory. Thing there that is just a little frustrating. And a- Andy Reid's never going to give you like the whole truth and nothing but the truth and oppressor, right? He's gonna he's gonna take blame for things that aren't always his fault. And he's going to give answers that he thinks are good enough for the time being without, you know, fully opening up the binder and saying, here's everything that we're working on right now. But he says they shouldn't have called that sneak. It was two yards, which was is too far for a tush push for a team that's never done one with one of your pushers being Tommy Townsend and the guy in the middle, most importantly, not being Creed Humphrey, but being James Winchester. We'll ask Kendall Gammon in the zone tomorrow if uh, long snappers are ready for that moment. But... They shouldn't have called that because it was two yards, which is too far for that sneak. But they wanted to stay aggressive. Does anyone else see the problem with that line of thinking leading to that result and play call? You know, a really like cool thing you could do aggressively would be to Leave the ball in the hands of the best player in the sport. And I love Noah Gray. But I'm not talking about him. I'm talking about Patrick Mahomes. You wanted to stay aggressive. I love that. Let Patrick Mahomes be aggressive. I, that just seems... I'm not even saying let Mahomes sneak it. I'm just saying let him be the one who takes the snap. 
I just really don't get it. Like, it's the type of thing that makes me think that there's some ulterior motive that is like, hey, we're just not going to use our best short yardage plays because we want to save them for December and January. Or we really, really, really wanted to get this. <laughs> Dylan just <laughs> went to prayer hands and mouthed hopefully to the heavens. Or is it, hey, we got to get this fake sneak on, uh, this fake field goal on tape. We, we got to force the issue so we can do a different thing off of it next week against the Chargers. Or just make the Chargers think about it so we can... Like, if that's the if that's the idea and you still escape with the win, then maybe it's all okay. But it's so bizarre that it makes me feel crazy for wondering if it's not pretty simple that you would just leave the ball in Patrick Mahomes' hands. But I digress. Back to Andy Reid talking more about uh, Travis Kelsey getting open against zone. That lateral, um, well, maybe maybe Andy Reid will tell us here if that lateral was planned or not. And uh, to some general takes on how the offense and the, the team together all played as a unit. You know, they were playing a lot of zone, soft zone. And so that's, you know, he's good with that. He, he can work in, in those zones. I mean, they, they were called plays, but and, and he actually ran them like they were supposed to be called for the most part. Well, that was, you know, that's something we do every day in practice. So, you know, it didn't surprise me that it took place. That was on his own. Yeah. Was there ever a doubt he was going to play? Uh, no. And you five and one, you know, going into this mini buy, you still feel like you probably played your best football. So just overall assess kind of where you are, even though a performance that, you know, you still like a lot. Yeah, well, listen, I mean, we strive for something better than what we're doing right now. And, um, you know, we've got a good, Charger team coming in here next, and um, you know we'll we'll get back to the drawing board on this thing and work, work to get better. But I love the way um, Bucker's playing. Tommy was phenomenal. Tommy was the one that was in, you know questionable on playing. I mean, he hurt his hamstring, and uh, he he just said, "I'm I'm going," and my hat goes off to him. You know, so um, but um, you know we'll take the wins. They're tough to get in this league. Uh, and that's what I told the guys. But we we get back and work on a few things, and we'll get better. You know, become a better team. There's room to improve. They know that. Uh, the interesting stuff there on the Kelsey things. He actually ran most of the routes like they were supposed to be called. Andy Reid said with a little bit of I don't think sarcasm, but just it's funny to have to provide that caveat. And also that the lateral was something we do in practice every day. But that was something that he chose to do there. It made sense. Gray was ready for it. Again, they they work on that, so it's not like this total random out of nowhere thing. And if Kelsey would have uh, done that and it would have backfired, he would have probably had a pretty unpleasant little stretch of time with, with Andy Reid. But you got to let your beautiful personality show, as he and Eric Bieniemy have said in various degrees of enthusiasm. Last chunk here from Andy Reid. Any... Uh, Areas of, of extra advantage with having the few days of extra rest before you get the Chargers, and uh, then if there's anything on defense they'd like to tweak. Hey, you know what? With all the technology that we have, we're able to do that weekly. We just stay right up on it. So, I mean, we'll look at the things, again, that we, we need work on and go, go through that. But um, with the technology you have today, it's not as much as what you, you know, what it used to be. So. Well, not listen. Not tonight. I, I thought they they did a nice job. I mean, the guys um, played well. Um, you know, I, 
And we're doing okay. You got to keep getting better, though. I mean, that's that's how it goes. That part's kind of fun. I it's like it's a totally fair question. It's like, hey, so he's been asking about the offense, but is there anything you want the defense to improve on? He's like, well, I mean, I guess the two don't give up a two point conversion, and you know that touchdown should never have happened. So really, it should have been a shutout. So not not really, I guess. Now that I now that you mention it, I guess I don't really have anything for the defense to work on. Wild and a great development. From the season so far, from the team tonight, just not quite a well-rounded win. Uh, because as you heard Andy Reid say earlier, they're always striving for something better than what they're doing right now. And right now, I don't know where those next steps are going to come from. I think that's something else to figure out in the weeks and months to come. We'll take a break here on the Sports Radio 810 WHB Post Game Show. We'll come back, bring you more audio from Arrowhead before we later on hear from uh, Matt Derrick of Chiefs Digest. But coming up next, more locker room. We'll hear from Mahomes later on. Plenty to break down as the Sports Radio 810 WHB Post Game Show continues. as he sends it to Noah Gray, one tight end to the other. Another first down. I'm having visions, was it Nat Moore and Tony Nathan going way back to the Dolphins against the Chargers. I mean, how calm is Kelsey as he just sits there, which he always does in his zone. He just waits, waits for his guy. You imagine him practicing that throughout the week. Loves to. Yeah. I mean, he's just out there having fun. He gets to be a quarterback, flip it with his left hand of all things. Perfect pitch to Noah Gray and a first down for the Chiefs. That play was awesome. Andy Reid said it wasn't the call of the play. It's just something they've practiced plenty. We're going to go ahead and make that our Mahomes magic moment brought to you by Champion Heating and Cooling. Maybe it's Kelsey's magic moment, but it starts with Patrick Mahomes. Keep your family warm this winter with their Champion Premium Furnace. Find your local Champion dealer at championhomecomfort.com and don't forget to ask about their free 10-year parts and labor warranty. Always leading, never compromising, championhomecomfort.com. The Chiefs offense usually doesn't compromise. The Chiefs today were leading for uh, the entirety of these 60 minutes, or as I should say, from their first score on, because they didn't they didn't house the opening kickoff or anything. So outside of it being 0-0, the Chiefs were always leading in this game. But as we've covered many times now so far, with lots of calls, lots of breakdowns, hearing it from the guys at Arrowhead as well. Not the offensive effort you would like to see, not the offensive effort that you're used to, and certainly not the offensive effort that pays off Mahomes' first game ever against a 32nd-ranked scoring defense. But it's kind of how it seems to go sometimes. So let's hear from Patrick Mahomes. The quarterback press conference is brought to you by Kansas City Area Accurate Dealers. As our hometown team in red marches towards another epic year, visit your Kansas City Area Accurate Dealers to score jaw-dropping deals on new and pre-owned Acura models. Plus, get overpaid for your trade. Shop your Kansas City Area Acura Dealer. Let's hear from Patrick Mahomes. And starting off with the opening question here, I think is a great one. Was the Chiefs' offense up to his standard tonight? Yeah, I mean, I thought we did a lot of good things. Um, just obviously red zone, some third downs. We just didn't execute at a high enough level. Um, 
I still think there was a lot of good things we can take from it. Um, we just got to continue to get better and better. Um, luckily for us, our defense is playing playing great. So we can go through these growing pains and try to get better and better. But, I, I mean, the talent's there. You can see it in spurts. But we have to learn how to sustain drives, getting down the red zone, score touchdowns, um, and make it easier on our defense to play a little bit more free. Patrick, at what point does – you don't get patient because it's a long season, but at what point does the sense of urgency have to come in? I mean, I think there's always a sense of urgency. I mean, I think you ask offensive guys in the locker room right now, and they're going to say that we didn't play our best. Um, we could have done a lot of things better. Um, but like I said, it's luck. we're lucky enough that defense is playing so good, special teams are playing so good that we can still win football games. And I still feel like at times when it's most needed, the guys are making the plays. I mean, Sky on that the out route there at the end of the game, um, Rasheed with the big catch. I mean, guys are making plays when it counts. Um, but uh, as we as we continue on the season, we have to continue to get better and better so that hopefully when we get to the playoffs, um, we're hitting our stride and we can really kind of match our defense uh, as far as intensity. Patrick, how much of Travis is I mean, there, we have so much freedom to Trav that I, I guess all of it is called, but all of it isn't called. So, um, I mean, I know he's definitely not supposed to pitch the ball. That's the one I know for sure. <laughs> so, uh, he does – He we give him freedom. Uh, he's kind of one of those guys you can give freedom because he knows this offense like the back of his hand. So, um, but he did, he did a lot of great jobs. They played a lot of zone coverages I think you saw today. Um, and uh, he, he was in zone. He can work the middle of the field. And so – um, it hurts some of our deep game, but at, at the same time, whenever you have a guy like that that can work in the middle of the field, it helps out a ton. You have, again, there the reference for the deep game the Chiefs would like to get going but have not really yet this year. That's been a common theme of how defenses have been playing them. Not up to their standards because of the red zone and third down issues. Mahomes mentioned this, Reed mentioned this. I think one or two of the callers may have mentioned this earlier in the show as well. The Chiefs offense moved the ball. They just didn't score with it. And I guess I'd prefer that to the alternative of like a whole day of short fields where they're able to score, but when they have to actually drive the field, they can't do anything. Like that would be more concerning, I suppose. But man, it it is a difficult a difficult thing to handicap exactly how this sets the Chiefs up for the future when you are trying to hit that stride come January. You're not going to have extra attempts to make it all happen again. You're not going to have another chance in January in a winner to go home game against the Bills or whoever, the Dolphins, whatever. You're not going to be able to say it's growing pains. It's an interesting phrase for him to use, growing pains. Because it is, once again, we're getting the young guys involved in all of that. The other thing, though is that, again, I, I don't I don't remember seeing Justin Ross on the field very much. He didn't get a target. And I don't, I don't have any of the snap counts yet. We'll, we'll have these all in the morning when we're, we're doing the zone. But if it's growing pains, Rasheed Rice and Justin Ross, they better be getting a ton of snaps. MVS not, not being productive isn't growing pains. He's been here, and he's a veteran. So figuring out where that fine line lands is, is going to be an interesting thing. Uh, you heard him talk about the uh, the Kelsey freedom in the offense and that it was not a pitch play there, as Andy Reid also said. But Mahomes was asked how he felt about Travis Kelsey's decision to pitch the ball there. Travis. Uh, it's, it's, um, I mean, he, he knows that if he pitches it, it better work because if he doesn't, Coach Reed's going to get on his tail. So uh, it's, uh, he does it in practice. 
and everybody thinks he's kind of we're joking around. And then I, then I know that he's just like seeing what he can get away with uh, for the game. Um. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, the, the special teams one we got close to getting that first down. Um, obviously, I can't throw the interception even if it is tip. I got to find a way to throw the. Ball. I was trying to throw the ball away, but to find a way to get the ball away, maybe shorter, find another person to throw it away at. Um, but I mean, yeah, you kind of just have to go with the game. Uh, I thought we did a great job of staying patient, getting the ball down the field. But in this league, three points, seven points is just such a big difference. Um, and so if I think he, if we found a way to execute in the red zone and score those touchdowns, we'd come away feeling great. But since we didn't, we, we have a lot of room to improve. Um, and so that's just something that we got to continue to work on is just putting a full game together. I think we've had spurts of playing good in the middle of the field. We've had spurts of playing good in the red zone. But let's put a full game together and see what we can do. Yeah, I think we always do that a little bit. I mean, we always know Travis going to do what he does, um, but especially with these the new receiver groups we've had these last few years, we kind of built our identity through the season. Obviously, this this is a little bit slower than we had the, the year before, um, but we have a lot of young guys that have showed a lot of great flashes, and so I, I know the talent's there. It's about how can we put those guys in the right position um, to go out and execute, um, and it's little things in this league, and people think it's a big gap, and, and we try to explain that if you don't execute those little things, um, these games are a lot closer than you're used to seeing, and so uh, uh, for us, we have to continue to get better and better each and every week and just see where, see where we can go from that. When you fail to execute the way that you'd like to, the game gets closer. That makes a lot of sense. Uh, and uh, and he also said what I said about Travis Kelsey at the pitch, that if uh, he didn't if he didn't land that, that's a, that's an Andy Reid week at practice for you. So it uh, better work. And if it works, you know, it's beautiful. That's, that's kind of funny. Uh, next here from Patrick Mahomes asked more about the Chiefs' defense and what's allowed that unit to take the steps that it has. It's depth, I think. I mean, they've done a great job of not only drafting, um, but getting key free agents um, and developing uh, guys. I mean, we have guys that are starters on other teams that, that are trying to find a way to get on the football field. And when they get on the football field, they're making plays. Um, and so when a guy like Nick Bolton goes down, we throw in Drew, Drew and he, he can be a star middle linebacker. Or um, Same with some of the DBs. Like we're, we can almost rotate guys in because they're, we have that depth at, on, on the defense and they're playing with confidence. And then you got a guy like 9-5 in the middle. He takes up a lot of the attention. And so I guess those other guys get free and those other guys are making the most of it. And I'm excited to get Charles back there. I think it's next week. Is there a broader ripple effect for you guys? I mean, obviously it, it helps to be able to count on them, but I mean, does it give you some peace of mind? playing as they have so far yeah i mean yeah for sure uh, but it, I'm, I'm always i have that aggressive mindset so i always want to put as many points on the port on the board as possible um but it, it gives me especially with the defenses and how they're playing us in such such deep zones i can take the stuff underneath and drive the ball down the field um hopefully to get touchdowns obviously we got field goals today um knowing that it might take some time because i know get the defense fresh they're going to come out fresh firing they're going to get the ball back to me quickly um and so i think it's more of a mental thing for myself but at the same time man i'm I mean, you know me, and I want to go out there and score as much as possible, and you just got to be smart when you do it. Yeah, I mean, just we've got to be better at it. I mean, we're, we're great everywhere else in third down, so let's just continue to work on it. Um, well, I think we've had great games at it, and we've had bad games at it. Um, it's part of football, but uh, we'll continue to work at it, I promise you that, and uh, we'll continue to get better and better at it. And so when we have those big moments, uh, especially as the season goes on, we'll, we'll execute at a high level. I mean, this is something that shows up both in that answer there about the short yardage and also with the growing pains and the talent and spurts that you can see. 
consistency is is just as important as production, if not more so. You can produce, but if it's not consistent, it's not reliable. And look, in the NFL, I mean, everybody else is always working to try to make you as inconsistent as possible. The, the whole point of a defense is to make you look foolish as an offense, to make it look like you don't have everything figured out. But if you can't convert on short yardage consistently, that's the way to beat you. Get the Chiefs out of their rhythm. Make them feel their young receivers, who, again, I'm interested to see where the snap count lands. But the Chiefs have things that when they do it poorly, the entire, I don't want to say it's a Jenga tower. It makes it sound like it's all about to fall over. I don't know that it really is. But the things that make this team special, if you can poke holes in that, you at least have a pretty clear goal for opposing defenses. And I don't, I mean, for as, as silly as some of the, again, like, you know, the, the, the NFL's figured out the Chiefs. They've, they've solved Patrick Mahomes. As silly as that was, it at least felt like there was a playbook for defenses to, to try to step into a little bit. Right now, I just, I don't just force the Chiefs to make a lot of plays. And if you can slow them down in the red zone, they'll kick a field goal. And they're not very good in the red zone, so your odds are okay. I'd just like to see a little more consistency there. The Chiefs obviously would as well. Um, and, and Mahomes asked here, because it, it seemed like the frustration was was evident, is there a frustration for him when they aren't able to score those touchdowns? I'm curious. I don't know if, if he'll be asked about or if uh, if they'll figure it out somewhere in here. If, if there's a question of, hey, is it frustrating to you when you clearly would like to, to get another chance to pick up two yards and you're... Your coach says, nope, we're going to go ahead and let one of the uh, kickers go out there and handle it, either to punt it or kick it, or uh, in some cases we're going to let the, the kicker go out there and then actually just snap it to Noah Gray. That That is an interesting thing for me as well. I don't know that that ever gets asked here directly, uh, but also you'll hear Mahomes asked about if that Broncos timeout before the half surprised him. Sure as hell uh, surprised me. So we'll hear Mahomes on that. But first, is there a frustration when they don't score touchdowns? Yeah, a little bit. Um, I'm just used to going out there and being able to – I have that mentality. I want to score every drive. Um, that's how I've always been, and I always will be. But at the same time, uh, you got to win the football game. Um, and so I can't let uh, maybe a drive or two that we didn't get in the end zone affect the full scope of the entire game. That's something I've learned in my career. And so instead of um, trying to press or do something crazy or scramble around and do something, I'm just going to keep pushing and taking it one play at a time to, to move the ball down the field. Um, and uh, I know that if, if our defense is playing that well, if I can just continue to put just points on the board, uh, we're going to win the football game, and at the end of the day, that's that's all that matters. The, uh, the field goal drive you guys had at the end of the first half, the Broncos called a timeout after their third down. Were you expecting to get the ball back? Like, were you guys going to call a timeout, or did that surprise you? Um, I mean, there's a – Honestly, there's a couple of thought processes there. I mean, with how windy it was, I think they were trying to say, let's let's make them field it. Um, we already had one where it kind of got a little shaky there. Um, just It was so windy. And so, um, but at the same time, I don't think we were going to call a timeout. We were kind of satisfied with it. And they called a timeout, wanted us to field it, which we probably would have done that same situation. Um, we got good field position, two plays, got, I mean, to the 50. And it seemed like Harrison could have made that thing from the opposite 20. So uh, it was... Um, a big time field goal from Harrison um, got us that another three points and then get the ball out of half. So uh, it was a it was definitely a, a turning point. But I mean, there's there's thought processes both ways. Very kind of Patrick Mahomes to not just say yeah, <laughs> I was 
because he, he says that he played out the thought process and said maybe they would have done the same thing again the wind you want to make him feel to try to get a big play there that's all well and good but if you are going to put that out there you had better make sure you're not giving the other team three points and the way the Broncos defense has operated all year uh, look again if it's not to pick on a guy who's gotten picked on plenty, but if that's rookie year Sky Moore back there and he's in the midst of muffing a punt every game, and I, again, I know that they did have one get kind of bobbled there earlier, but that's a crazy coaching decision, uh, regardless of if the Chiefs would have done the same thing. But it worked out well uh, for Kansas City, at least. One more chunk of audio from Patrick Mahomes today, talking about Rasheed Rice in big moments, and then he was asked about those growing pains we talked about earlier. Yeah, they, they did a good job. I mean, they had a, a good sense of they were going to make sure they took Trav away and we had a receiver in the backfield of KT. So they pushed a lot of people over to the right. Um, and I saw 47 kind of trying to get a uh, Joel was trying to get in there. And I just knew if I could get it to Rasheed, there was kind of no one behind them. And so they were really focused on getting Trav away, which is probably smart thinking. Um, but it opened up Rasheed. I got the ball to him and I told him, I was like, you gotta get those knees up, man. There's two of them that if you get those knees up, I think you can get in the end zone. So that's going to be the next progression for him. Yeah, I think it's just different. I think we're getting uh, more coverage than even I've expected. And, and I know we said that kind of a couple years back, but, I mean, there's a lot of deep coverages, and it's forcing us to be patient and drive the length of the field. And I think teams are just with the young guys and, and trying to integrate them. They're going to say, we're going to make you drive the field and score touchdowns. Um, and I thought we did a good job driving the field. We just didn't score the touchdowns today. And so um, if defenses are going to do that, we have to continue to get better and better at it. Um, and then when the opportunity arises and we get man coverage, we have to make sure we hit those deep ones. And so uh, I thought we did a good job at that part today. It's just the red zone is, is extremely important. We have to execute at a higher level there. Um, but we'll, we'll go back and we'll have a big game coming up this next week and we have to make sure we're better in that red zone uh, this next week. And, yeah, look, I mean, if, if they're better in the red zone, the conversation about this game is very different because they did move the ball pretty well. But – that little deal of they're going to make us be patient, keep everything in front of them. Now we've got to do all of that dink and dunk kind of chipping away stuff. It was hard enough when they also had Juju Smith-Schuster. And, you know, for the ups and downs of McCole Hardman, a dude who had been in this offense for a while. The degree of difficulty on that, I think, is just raised when you have younger, less experienced weapons. And uh, I, I thought Beards made the, the significant point of all of this earlier, which is that I don't I don't think the Chiefs are prepared for a post Travis Kelsey world and I don't even know if they're prepared for a anything less than a Travis Kelsey driven world. And I, look I don't I don't want to soothsay the end for Travis Kelsey anytime soon. Still an absolute stud. But you don't want it to all be on him. That'll be an interesting thing to continue to figure out as the season goes on. It's a little frustrating that the red zone was such a boogeyman today. But maybe maybe you'd feel a little better if a few of those drives got into the end zone. You'd also feel a whole lot worse if the Chiefs' defense wasn't tremendous today and those red zone issues would have led to a loss as opposed to being, oh, you know, it's something for us to work on. It would be a, yeah, that cost us a football game against a crappy opponent. So it, it, goes, it goes both ways for me. I'm... I'm a little conflicted, but I am excited to see this game against the Chargers, and I'm glad that everybody, including Travis Kelsey, is going to get an extra few days to rest up and get healthy before they get out there for another AFC West game. Three in a row, Broncos, Chargers, Broncos. Give us plenty to talk about over the rest of the month. I'm Joshua Briscoe. Dylan Michaels is on the other side of the glass. Covell Hudson producing the show as well. We'll take a timeout and come back with more audio from Arrowhead here on Sports Radio 810 WHB. 
Working out of the gun. Three receivers to the left, two to the right. Wilson locks into the left. Ball is batted up in the air. Intercepted! Off the deflection! Kansas City comes down with it, and it's Justin Reed who spun down at the 36. Just when you think the Broncos have something going, it's negated. A 10-yard return, and the Chiefs take over. Hey, listen, it wasn't ugly for the Chiefs, but it was for the Broncos. An offensive effort where it just never got going for Denver again. We're going to take it from that perspective because the defense likes to make it a little ugly. So it's our ugly play of the game brought to you by We Buy Ugly Houses. Owning a house can be a problem, an ugly problem. Repairs, taxes, mowing the yard. Let We Buy Ugly Houses be the solution. Call 1-800-44-BUYER or go to webuyuglyhouses.com. We'll hear from some more members of the defense momentarily. Want to hop over to Rasheed Rice in a second, but I, I, in the uh, waning moments of the uh, the commercial break, I I think I've put together some pieces of a thought that I'll sneak under before it technically becomes Friday morning. Here on Sports Radio eight ten WHB Kansas City. Going back to Mahomes in the red zone. And say and, and kind of this idea that, you know, there's there's such a fine margin between a thirty-four point day and a fourteen point day. Mahomes sliding is the reason that I can't just say the Chiefs have put up thirty points in two games this year. Because he slid to end the game against the Jets instead of scoring. Could have kicked some field goals instead of taking knees, all of that, right? We're not playing for BCS points, so that, that doesn't need to happen. But if they're just average in the red zone, it is a different story. Absolutely. But also, if the defense isn't elite, it's a different story because they would have lost the game. And if they are more aggressive and more smartly aggressive in the red zone, it's also a different story. Because Patrick Mahomes is not going to get shut out on fourth and two and fourth and three. They convert one, let's say they turn one of those into a touchdown, you take one, you know, that doesn't make it, you replace uh, the the failed tush-push with one of those. But none of those things happened, so this is still the story. It just, this is what happened. I mean, I, I will go process over results nine, time, nine times out of ten in terms of, like, actually evaluating things, right? I'm not just saying that's the score, so that's the score. But if they were better in the red zone, they would have scored more points. Cool. If Andy Reid was more aggressive, they would have scored more points. Cool. But they're not, and they're not. They weren't, and they didn't. So I don't know how much of that range you get to play in. It's frustrating. It's a little confusing. It is perfect for an October Chiefs game. I do want to hear from one of the young players who took a big step in this game as Rasheed Rice has continued to see a larger and larger role. We'll hear from him in just a moment in our locker room report presented by Twin Peaks. The Chiefs locker room report is brought to you by Twin Peaks. No one does football like Twin Peaks. 
Whatever your preference, they have everything from tequila cocktails and an extensive bourbon category to top-shelf spirits and cocktails served over ice balls. Local craft beers and handcrafted whiskey cocktails round out an adventurous drink menu, second to none. And don't forget about their 29-degree man-sized drafts at Twin Peaks. Let's start with the offensive side of the ball. Hearing from Rasheed Rice, he had a good game altogether, but then the big play towards the end is certainly the exclamation point on it. Altogether, the second leading receiver on the Chiefs today, four catches for 72 yards. Could have gotten those knees up and turned that into like 100 and a touchdown, uh, but it's been pretty much a, a step every week, it feels like, for Rasheed Rice. I'm bullish on his future. Let's hear what he had to say in the locker room after the game. Hey, Rasheed, um, first of all, I'm sorry, 16, oh, go ahead, go ahead. Uh, I feel like I'm not necessarily comfortable, but I'm confident in my offensive offensive play as far as, you know, understanding the playbook and not letting the playbook kind of overwhelm me for the most part. So you're getting on the same page with Patrick, you think? A hundred percent. It's not hard to get on the same page with Pat. Uh, he's a great quarterback, and... If you got the love of the game, it's just going to automatically happen. Who's the leader in the wide receiver room? Um, personally, I think we're all, we're all leaders in our own way. Uh, if I need anything, I can ask any receiver in the room. So. Sky had a lot of help last year from Juju. Mm-hmm. Juju's gone. Who's mm-hmm. helping you a little bit in the receiver room? I mean, shoot, like I said, I can name every receiver in the room. Uh, we all, our offense is set to where every receiver is outside slot no matter you know personnel formation so i mean if if jay ross has a route that i didn't run two weeks ago he knows how to run the route so i'm asking him about it perfect hey rasheed this is 16 in a row against the division opponent i know this is your first one but what does that mean in your mind when you hear something like that uh i mean to me it means everything just to you know win in the kingdom in general and then just carry a tradition of winning and i mean we don't lose in our home so you guys moved the ball a lot through the course of this game, but but had a tough time getting into the end zone. What's the feeling overall offensively coming out of a game like this? Uh, just to honestly, just to take this little you know weekend off and recover and get back to it, so that we can prepare for you know our next game. Tell me about what was clicking for you personally today in the passing game. Pat, and then you know just the offense in general, uh, kind of. I mean they were in the zone a lot of the times and. Our offense is set for where we could kind of settle in between zones instead of running full speed out of certain routes. I want to ask you about Travis Kelsey going on a sprained ankle today and putting up the performance he did. What's your reaction to seeing a guy do that? I mean, Travis, Travis, you never, you don't know what to expect from him, but all you, you can always expect him to come out and ball out for sure. Thanks, Chief. Thank you. Those two, Travis Kelsey and Rasheed Rice, accounted for almost all of the Chiefs' passing production. Almost all is an exaggeration, I guess. But 196 yards through the air went to Kelsey and Rice of the 306 altogether. So about two-thirds of the uh, passing yards went to those two guys. I'm really excited for what comes next for Rasheed Rice. I really do think that that's a spot where growth is is to be expected just has to keep continuing around him as well. And eventually the Chiefs have to put him in a position where they are fully trusting him to take a heavy workload and to potentially be the guy, at least the uh, the, the Robin to Travis Kelsey's Batman, I suppose. Well, I guess Batman's kind of Jason Kelsey's thing. So I don't know. I'll figure that out. We'll, we'll come up with a better a better metaphor in a little bit. But uh, it, for also, we have pretty quickly moved away from even like talking about Rasheed Rice as a rookie. 
A rookie wide receiver in Andy Reid's offense, we've talked time and time again about being a very high bar to clear, a difficult thing to actually accomplish. And Rice is forcing his way up the depth chart, forcing his way to more targets just by working every day, improving every day, whatever the cliches are you want to take from the coaching staff. But it is evident he is the wide receiver with an honorable mention to Kadarius Tony, who I'm, we might need to talk about a little bit more, but I also thought Beers made a good point when he said, I, I, you see him that way to the Chiefs, and that that I don't know. I don't I don't know if the Chiefs see him actually being a number one receiver, despite the fact that there was some talk of that this, this preseason and offseason. Rice and Tony, this is, I'm going to talk myself right into it. Rice and Tony as your second, third options behind Travis Kelsey's good group. If Rice is comfortable, if the Chiefs are comfortable with Rice, if Kelsey is healthy, if Tony is healthy. It's a lot of ifs, and that's the part that's a little bit concerning in a long football season. Let's go to the defensive side and hear from Trent McDuffie. Dude has been absolutely tremendous this year, and he forced that fumble we played you the highlight of earlier to essentially put this game away. Trent McDuffie spoke in the locker room after all the action. Trent, another uh, week where this defense is able to hold a shutout up until the fourth quarter. Yeah. Let's talk about how fun it was up here. I mean, shoot, talk about that shutout. You know this defense, we definitely every week want to try to run to zero. So um, once they score, you know, there's a little emotions on the sideline, but um, that's a good thing. You know, we should see guys who care that. Uh, we don't want them to score. So um, playing with a defense like this, man, it's going tremendously fun. I mean, you got guys like Willie Gay, who's got a lot of emotion, Chris Jones, I mean, the D-line's Ian. So um, it just makes it easy on the back end to go cover. So how beneficial is that where you guys, you know, you're playing well together? It's yeah. like the camaraderie is there. Yeah, man, I think it just makes us play even faster. I mean, when you see it out there, guys are really sticking together. Yeah. And you can see we're really playing for four quarters. And that's something that's big, especially when it gets down to the nitty-gritty and the scores start going. The scores got getting close. Um, yeah, it's good to have a team that's really together and really trust each other out there. Yeah, now, what was said at you know, halftime, you guys, the offense wasn't clicking like yeah. close to, but you guys seem to be picking them up. Man, we just said we need to stop that run. Yeah. You know, first half, they got that run game going, so second half, that was a big focus, and we don't want to stop that run. They're going to have to air it out, and as DBs, that's what we want, so um, just trying to make them one-dimensional, really. And the turnovers. Yeah, man. Interception. Man, interception. Uh, we got a sack, fumble. Yeah. I mean, we were out there doing it all today, so um, you love to see it. I mean, always say this defense really – is trying to take another step in, man, turnover, turnover, turnover. I mean, I think that's a big way that this defense can really step up and elevate is getting our hands on the ball. So um, it was an exciting day. I'm glad we got a few, and hopefully we continue to do that. Can you take us to what happened when you got you got banged up there for a little bit during the game? Yeah, man, just rolled my ankle a little bit. Um, went to the sideline, taped it back up, and I don't think there's really anything that could have kept me out of that game. You know, I was ready to go right back in. So glad I was able to finish it out. You uh, haven't been a part of very many of them, but 16 in a row against division opponent. Do you guys talk about that much, or what does that mean to you guys? <laughs> I didn't know that. You didn't uh, know that? I didn't know that. But uh, That's incredible. Man. I mean, you don't do that in the NFL very often. Yeah, man. <laughs> no, that's huge. I mean, that's a really good program, really good team, and um, we got to be able to fight each and every week. So um, it don't matter who it is, 16 wins, zero wins. I mean, each week we approach it the same. So 
it was a lot of talk about how hard it is to get ready for a short turnaround on a Thursday night. But now you guys get the flip side, which is a little extra rest. Yeah. How are you going to enjoy this weekend, you know? Man, watch some college football. <laughs> Shout out to the dogs. They got yeah. Oregon this week. Big High game. school team, St. John Bosco got modern day. So okay. got two back-to-back really great games. So I'm going to be enjoying sitting back on the couch, just relaxing for once in a while. All right. Hey, you and me both. That's for she- uh, Excuse me, that's Trent McDuffie. I was reading. I was reading about Rasheed Rice over here on my phone. Sorry, we heard from Rasheed Rice once, and now that's that's McDuffie, uh, who who has a huge college game to enjoy this weekend. Right? That'll be a lot of fun. Uh, we can all enjoy that without being stressed about the Chiefs not winning. They won the game. It was a weird game and an imperfect game and all that, but like, hey. We can put that in the back of our minds and enjoy some more football over the course of this weekend. And here's what I'm going to do for Trent McDuffie. The entire defense gets uh, some share of this in my book. But, man, Trent McDuffie has been so good this year. He gets that big turnover at the end. And, really, I it'll be fascinating to, to see the All-22 and get some more time to digest what happened in the Chiefs secondary. But the Broncos just could not get anything going consistently in the air. Did uh, how about this for a stat I just that I just learned? I tell you all the time, I don't always look at the box scores. I, don't, I almost never look at the box score during the game unless I'm looking for something, which was like in the first half until that last drive, uh, Isaiah Pacheco and, Kedarius, and, and uh, Travis Kelsey combined for like 170 of the Chiefs, like 203 yards at that point. So I was looking that up. Dylan, you want to play a guessing game with me real quick? Sure. How many passing yards did Russell Wilson end this game with? Uh, 82. 95. Ah. Under 100. Here's the. How about this one? Oh, that's not right. This ESPN's box score thing is not uh, up to speed with me here. 95. Wait. 82 is minus the sack yardage. So the Broncos' passing game. To be fair, I stole that from a PFF tweet. That's probably why, because it was a compliment to the Chiefs' defense. Yes. They held them to 82 pass yards total, so they probably, there you go. That's that's what it is. 13 of 22 for 95 yards, a touchdown, two picks, not even accounting the most two picks, four sacks for 13 yards. Crazy. So, all that to say, uh, the Chiefs' defense altogether gets some share of this, but Trent McDuffie, in particular, gets the green light, presented by Green Light Dispensary, a tremendous performance from him and a tremendous place in Green Light Dispensary. Green Light Dispensary, outstanding customer service, superior product, and continuously voted Missouri's best. Open from 10 a.m. to 8 p.m., seven days a week. Find a location near you today at greenlightdispensary.com. Do we have... Uh, the actually, let's hear from Justin Reed if we can. Another guy who brought in a turnover today. Um, and uh, yeah, go ahead and do what you got to do there, Dylan. Just let me know when we're good to hear from him. Certainly, uh, I don't know if he's the definitive captain of the defense or one of the captains of the defense. And you know, they rotate through on a game to game basis. But a guy who is very, very frequently out in front speaking on behalf of the Chiefs defense. Uh, I mean, even McDuffie mentioning, you know, you're trying to get that shutout, so a little emotional when you uh, you give up that touchdown. And again, that was a touchdown that probably shouldn't have happened with the uh, Mike Edwards roughing the passer penalty. That was just silly, foolish, unfortunate, whatever. Not the hit, the call. Um, but enough about how the referees are always working against the Chiefs. I mean, you know, you know, it's always it's always a matter of how they can screw over Kansas City. 
If we could put those to bed for a little while, that would be lovely. We never can. There's always some conspiracy or whatever. But the Chiefs defense today is stupendous, even as the offense struggled. Uh, let's hear from uh, just... Whoop. Oh, I was going to say, yeah, so please. to explain the beginning of this... Oh, um, yeah, okay. Nate said something, but I did not track it all. So you and I enjoy the T-shirts that the defense have been wearing in their media, in their press conferences yes. that are just like... Mike, awesome sayings. Mike Dana, I think, yes. was wearing... Mike Edwards had one recently as well. Oh, I don't know if I saw Mike Edwards's. Uh, that was, I think, this week. Dana was, um, I believe it said, wow, oop, for yes. we outwork our opponents. Correct. Which is a stretch of an anagram. Anagram? A- anagram is a shuffle. An acronym, thank you. What's going on on Justin Reed's shirt? Act like a glacier. I imagine meaning never to be moved as a defense, probably, which must be awesome. Get get melted slowly, maybe. Okay, so is there? I I saw there was a mention of it in Nate's email, but is is that the conversation at the beginning here? Does he explain yes. it? Okay, fantastic. Well, then we don't have to guess for ourselves, I suppose. So his shirt says, "Move like a glacier, be like a glacier, act like a glacier, act like a glacier." Uh, let's hear from the glacial Justin Reed. I don't even know what it means. I thought it was a cool t-shirt. I just got it. Steady, slow moving, powerful, uh, that overwhelm you. I'll you know? take all of that. Yeah, that sounds pretty good, actually. Consistent. Uh-huh. Cold as ice. Uh, ice hey, my veins. Hey, I apologize if, uh, for, for repeating the question, but 16 in a row, I know you weren't a part of all of them against the Broncos, but mm-hmm. that's impossible to do in the NFL, man, with so much parity year after year. Mm-hmm. What, is it, what does that mean to you guys, 16 in a row? Um, it's dominance, man. And it's But the, the biggest part about it is it's earned. Every one of those is earned. You know, this is the, I mean, every game comes down to a one-score game. I don't think any of those 16 wins have ever been more than a one-score game. So um, it's always competitive, but it just goes into the diligence that the organizational culture that Coach Reed and Coach Bagnolo was able to build here, um, that you're just able to keep doing that year after year. Did, did you expect the kind of grind this game was going to be today? I kind of figured it. it, you know yeah. what I mean? It, it always is. All of the divisional rounds. Next week is going to be the same thing with the Chargers. The following week back at Denver. Divisional games, it doesn't matter what the records are. Those games are always going to be tooth and nail. I'd love for you to throw some flowers at the guys up front that were batting those passes down today, getting their hands on those balls. I mean, How important was that? Across the board. I mean, we have Russell run around all over the backfield. He was able to scramble a few times, but a couple of those were able to get him and tackle him behind the line of scrimmage too. So it all starts up front, man. Football always starts in the trenches. Offensive line, defensive line. If you can be dominant there, it makes everything else just uh, mesh and net together really well. What was going through your mind when you saw that ball floating up in the air that you, that you got the it pick? It was like low-hanging fruit, man. It was like, oh, like, you know, eyes get big. It's like, finally, you know. And then Burton, of course, is the one who tackled me. And I was like, Burton, I went to Burton. Why'd you tackle me, bro? You know I mean? So, hey, last question. You, you know, short week. We talked about that with you before the game, how hard that is. But now you get the other side of it, which is maybe a little extra time to recover. How yeah. nice is that going to be? Oh, it's going to be so nice. It's going to be a stress-free weekend. You get yeah. to sit down and watch some football. Um, so it's going to be good, and I think the guys earned it. Thanks a lot. Congratulations on the Hey, listen, it's always a good sign when your post-game interviews have a soundtrack because that doesn't usually happen in the losing locker room unless it's just, like, bleeding through the walls, in which case it's even more devastating. <laughs> but in this case, 
the good vibes coming from the Chiefs locker room. I didn't realize Michael Burton was the one who tackled Justin Reed after the pick. That is hilarious. Um, did not catch that. Mike Burton wearing 20. Dylan and I were talking about early in the game. Weird number for a fullback slash running back, but it makes him look more like a running back and less like a fullback, I think. Uh, got plenty of work, Mike Burton. Happy for him to you know keep keep the fullback position in the NFL kicking. But uh, a great day for the Chiefs defense, no question there. And uh, Justin Reed, a huge part of it. Why don't we go ahead and take a timeout? Matt Derrick said he's ready to go. I'm going to go ahead and see if we can coordinate that. We'll either come back with Matt Derrick or we'll come back and hear from uh, Harrison Butker and Willie Gay. So you're either going to hear from a guy who kicked a an absolute tank of a 60-yard field goal or Harrison Butker. No, I don't know. I don't. I wish I had a better um, grand athletic achievement. You're either going to hear from a guy with absolutely unlimited range or Harrison Butker and Willie Gay. Digest that for us. Kelsey slot left. He is phenomenal in the red zone. He go the other way. Caught for a touchdown. Kadarius Tony into the end zone. So they finally break through. Seven plays, 62 yards in 322. Valdez Scantling does a good job of just kind of getting in the way of the slot corner McMillan. Just kind of slows his route down, creates just enough of a pick there to get him out to the edge. And with relative ease, Mahomes finally is able to get the touchdown here. That was pretty late in the second quarter when the Chiefs broke through. I did not think that would be their final touchdown. But it's our final and only touchdown nonetheless. And it's our play of the game brought to you by Central Bank of the Midwest. At Central Bank of the Midwest, every customer is a first-round draft pick. Central Bank of the Midwest, strong roots, endless possibilities. Member FDIC. Well, I am extremely interested to know what this game was like live from Arrowhead, what the man saw from the press box up above, if, in fact, we have any more theories on how Taylor Swift escaped Arrowhead this week. Time to talk to Matt Derrick of Chiefs Digest, ChiefsDigest.com, brought to you by Cap One Lending. The Freedom Loan at Cap One Lending is the exclusive loan that helps you pay your home off in less than half the time and gives you access to your home's equity without having to refinance. Go to Cap One Lending. Matt, you pick. What's the story of this game that was, for a Thursday night football game, very, very characteristically weird? (laughs) Indeed it was. It was, we we very Thursday night footballed this thing up. (laughs) Um, You know, I mean, if I had to go with the one consistent storyline throughout this entire game, I think it would be the Chiefs defense continues to be really, really good. Um, It was a complete effort. They came close. Uh, maybe a questionable roughing the passer call away from a shutout. Um, This defense was complete. The offense, I didn't think, played a complete game. The defense, I think, absolutely did. And they added the turnovers on top of that. Um, uh, Travis Kelsey had a great first half. His presence in the second half and the attention that he he drew certainly opened things up for the rest of his teammates. Um, but, I mean, I, I think that the one consistent thing for sure is that this defense played really, really good tonight. 
And and what number of pass rusher in their rotation will they be getting back next week? Is, is he the second best pass rusher? Speaking, of course, of Charles Amina, who whose six-game suspension is now up. This defense should be getting better still? Yeah, I mean, it should. I mean, I, I can't imagine why it wouldn't be better. I can't imagine Charles Aminahue coming in and suddenly making the pass rush worse. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you know, certainly you're swapping out somewhat. I mean, does that mean that Aminahue is going to be active and Malik Herring isn't? You know, who's who is it that goes down? I mean, it's probably some debate. And, you know, and, and how quickly will they kind of work Aminahue in? I mean, they don't have to rush him in. Um, and remember, too, I mean, I think this gets overlooked a little bit. I mean, even when he was a starter in San Francisco, he was never a, you know, full-time player. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, 50% of the snaps was about his workload. And I don't think that even coming back with fresh legs, I don't know if you really want to push him any harder than that. I mean, he's going to have six weeks of rust to knock off and everything. But if he can just, you know, to me, if he can come in and take a few more reps off of off of Mike Dana and, and George Karloftis, and you're talking about just keeping those guys a little bit fresher, um, kicking. I mean, I think he's. And I know from watching this team during training camp in the preseason. I mean, they definitely plan on having him on the field on some third downs, and you know, and being a guy that can even kind of kick inside with Mike Dana, and you move Chris Jones around. I mean, there's a lot of flexibility that Menahue gives you, and so it should make them better. I mean, there's no doubt about it. You had somebody like his talent that allows you to give more rest to Karloftis and Dana, I, I think that's a great combination. What depth, what, what what position group today from the defense do you think ended up ultimately having the best day? I, I was keeping an eye on some of the prime vision, so I, we did get to see a little bit of kind of the live All-22, but you're seeing it from the press box, so you, you may have a better idea of what was going on in the secondary. Is, is there one, one depth there between the DBs, the linebackers, and the D-line that you thought, hey, that was the unit today that really uh, stirred the drink defensively? Man, that is a really good question because I think you can make a, 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 a you know an argument for almost every single one of those. But I tell you what, I I think I'd have to go with the corners because yeah. once again, I mean, you know, there wasn't anywhere for Russell Wilson to, to throw the ball. And now, granted, I mean, some of that was because the guys at the line were doing their job. I mean, they were clogging up the lanes, and you know, you saw George Karloff has bat down a couple of passes. Willie Gay tipped a couple of passes. Um, that certainly helped out the secondary, but. You know, we weren't talking about anybody getting open against Legeria Sneed. We weren't talking about anybody beating Trent McDuffie. Um, I think Jalen Watson had had a, what, a, a penalty on him, but then he comes back later, has an absolutely great pass broken Incredible. up, perfectly executed. So you know, I can't I can't knock him. And you know, and once again, I mean, I, I can't think of any time that you had to call out one of the cornerbacks except for the penalty. For having a bad mistake or anything, they were a big part of you know holding down the Broncos to what they did passing it. Which I mean, that was ridiculous. They held Russell Wilson ninety five yards. Yeah, I didn't realize that until until like literally like fifteen minutes ago. I'm not watching the box score all game. Whatever. I just whatever everything I looked at, I had not gotten to. 13 of 22 for 95 yards and two picks. And go ahead and minus 13 yards on the uh, the four sacks you took. That's crazy. Yeah, and I mean, Jerry Judy wasn't getting open against anybody. Mm. Um, Cortland Sutton wasn't even open on the touchdown. No. I mean, no. it was a heck, a heck of a catch uh, on him. And once again, we then we circle back to 
that play doesn't happen if not for a really questionable yeah. rough in the passer call. Um, but, you know, the Chiefs have probably gotten the, the refs kiss a couple of times on some calls this season. So, eh, I'm not going to necessarily allow the complaining about the officiating in this one. But, uh, you know, they were they were that close from a complete, you know, game shutout. I mean, that's that's how good this defense was. Uh, the phrase "refs kiss," I, like in the tone and the tune and tone of "chef's kiss," is something I don't think I've heard before. But it is, well, I guess "chef's kiss." That is, I was, I was pretty proud of that, Josh. I'm not gonna lie. Is that an original right now? I mean, I hadn't thought of it until just now. So it was definitely one of those post midnight brainstorms. That I mean, maybe I heard it from somebody else and stole it, but if not, it's mine. No, that's yours, and uh, you can use it again when we see you here in uh, ten and a half hours. Because <laughs> it's, it's great. To to that point. It was eight points that had a very reasonable path to zero today. Then going back and starting from the beginning, 14 points against the Lions defense, or against the Lions because from the defense, the pick six, obviously. Um, the nine-point effort from the Jags, 10 from the Bears, 20 from the Jets, and even that was just, there were some dots from Zach Wilson, and then 20 from the Vikings. This is a heck of a resume. I mean, we're well beyond it being like a flash-in-the-pan kind of one-off thing, I know, for the defense, but... Where where do you stand now in the uh, the jumping into the pool analogy that we kicked around a couple weeks ago in the zone? Because uh, I think at that point I was just starting to make my turn in, into the pool. I mean, I was I was I was Greg Lugane is kind of at the at the top of the the jump, and then was just kind of starting to bend. I am maybe, oh gosh, I want to say a couple of feet moving forward. I I mean, I still think that this has been an impressive six-game run. There is absolutely nothing to take away from this defense because they've earned it. But except for, I mean, who was the best quarterback they faced in this first six games? It's Kirk Cousins, right? I mean, it's Kirk Cousins or Trevor Lawrence. I know you hate Trevor Lawrence and think he's a big, dumb bum, but I think well, he's well, good. I, mean, I think you, I, I, I would put probably, and it's fair, you know, but I would probably put Trevor Lawrence and Kirk Cousins in the same bucket yeah. as of elite game managers. I mean, they have not faced a quarterback of the competition that, one, I mean, they're probably going to face next week. Yep. I mean, Justin Herbert, I would take over anybody that they've faced in the first six games. Agreed there. I mean, you know, Josh Allen, I mean, you can throw it on. I mean, yep. there's Jalen Hurts. I mean, look at almost any quarterback they're going to face the rest of the season is better than they face at this point. So the toughest challenges are ahead. There's no doubt about it. I mean, we're next week will be a huge test. I mean, if they hold the Chargers to under 20 points and it's another, you know, or they you know, get a bunch of turnovers and like they did tonight, then that is when I'm really going to start buying stock in this team. I mean, I and this defense. I I think it's it's a good defense. I mean, I, and they're certainly playing with a lot of confidence, and confidence can go a long way for a defensive group. Um, maybe that will take them even further. But, uh, I mean, hey, it's a show-me state. I mean, I'm, I'm, at least mm-hmm. I'm in the show-me state. I, they need to show me. So I need to see what happens when they, they face an elite quarterback, which at this point I, I, I have to say that I don't think they've faced. Technically right now I'm in the sunflower state, so I'm, I'm seeing the, the sunny side of things, but uh, I, don't, I don't blame you for that. Now, I, once again, am just going to give you the entire scope of the Chiefs' offense. You, you've been there for the, the pressers and the interviews in the locker room and all of that. Pick anything from the offense that you think is important, that is that is worthwhile, that is valuable, that that could give us something else as we begin to figure out what this Chiefs offense is right now. That is really tough because this was just, I mean, there was nothing really wrong 
I guess, technically with the Chiefs offense tonight. I mean, if we're just being objectively, because let's face it, we and I certainly grade this offense on a curve. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I base it on the body of work that I have seen of this offense over the past five seasons with Mahomes and Andy Reid together. And that's the standard by which I think we all pretty much hold this offense. Mm-hmm. Right now, it's substandard. It is not to the level that we are accustomed to seeing this group play. And I don't think there's anything wrong with saying that. Uh, is it the worst offense in the league? God, no. I mean, no. I mean, it's, it's still probably one of the top eight offenses in the league, even with its inconsistencies. But there's just, it's not firing on all cylinders right now. And, and I don't know. I mean, this is a Thursday night game, so maybe we shouldn't take anything away from it. I mean, the only real disappointment I would say tonight with this game was, one, this is a Broncos team that couldn't stop anybody from yeah. running the football yeah. and held, held the Chiefs in the check pretty pretty well running the football tonight. Um, I don't think that the Chiefs game plan, I mean, break Andy Reid's heart here, was particularly inspired. Yeah. Um, I don't think it was certainly they weren't throwing out the, the nonsense that the Miami Dolphins threw up against the, the Broncos. I mean, yeah. by comparison, the Chiefs were running a preseason vanilla game plan tonight with the exception of the third down short situations on the play sheet, which I don't even I don't even know how to talk about that. That's a yeah. whole other subject we could we could talk about because I saw one of I thought of the three hundred or odd plays or whatever nonsense it is on Andy Reid's call sheet and play sheet. I saw one of the most conservative game plans I think that I've ever seen, except for the third and shorts, which were all of these crazy plays that probably don't even belong on a play sheet. Mm. <laughs> when Andy Reid's even upset with his own play calls, it tells you something. Um, so I don't know. I mean, offensively, I don't know how much to really take away from this game because it is a Thursday night, and we know Thursday night are weird games. Mm-hmm. But the pattern is that the receivers are not really gelling right now. And I, 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 I don't know what's what to make of it. I don't know quite why it's, why it's taking so long for this group to settle it. I think you touch on the two things that do give me pause, which is one, that it's a pattern. It's it's not a one-off. And two, that it's the Broncos defense. Like, if, if this would have been just a weird, ugly game between two quality, like, even a fringe playoff team. I don't even know who that would be in the AFC, frankly, because it, it feels like there's a pretty big drop-off between real contenders and kind of the rest. But, like, frankly, the Jags, which we saw 17-9 to as opposed to 19-8. to that that type of game in week two, you know, is they they they, they even the record back out again. You got Chris Jones and Travis Kelsey back, and all. There's still time to see this evolve. Scored a bunch of points against the Bears next. I just I wanted to see some things look easy offensively, even if it was vanilla. Um, and then to your point, the vanilla stuff worked between the twenties. I guess it worked on first and second down. I guess Matt, I think Andy Reid's a you know I'm gonna go out on a limb, Hall of Fame football coach. I believe that, believe it or not. Running a tush-push sneak with Noah Gray being pushed by Tommy Townsend and Lucas Niang to get two yards with your lead blocker being James Winchester is one of the craziest things I think I've ever seen Andy Reid do. Yeah, and and I think that part of it, absolutely, I mean, you know, and after the game, I think he basically mentioned this. Um, I, I think that it was a, a coaching brain cramp. Yeah. I mean, I think that's a fourth and one a play at best. Yeah. It's certainly not when you call on fourth and two. Yeah. And 
you know, and we and we love to talk about you know the subject of taking off, taking the, the best quarterback, taking your best player off the field yeah. at key moments, and taking the ball out of his hands. Um, let's discuss the fact that the best quarterback on that field at that particular moment was Tommy Townsend and his gun, <laughs> and you're taking it out of his hand and putting it in you know to Noah Gray, and then having Tommy Townsend push him with a bad hamstring. Yes, with a bad hamstring. <laughs> I'm just like, what are you thinking here? Um, yeah, I, I, I don't know about that one. I mean, it, it, you're right. Andy Reid's a Hall of Fame play, play caller, and that was the equivalent of, of like Andy Reid going out and taking a leak because that was just I can't I can't explain that one. It was almost as bad as as. Sean Payton forgetting how many downs were on, there were. Dude, what what what's your theory on what that bleep happened there? I what 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 was? I mean, Mahomes said after the, we, we played the Mahomes presser, so people have theoretically heard. You know, Mahomes was incredibly kind and said we would have done probably oh, the yeah. same thing. It, yeah, that was incredibly kind. Incredibly yeah. kind. He, he gifted them a chance at three points, and the Chiefs took it. Yeah, because I guess I mean I, I guess there were some people on the Chiefs sideline that were you know signaling for a timeout, but I don't believe that there were anybody who actually was allowed to call a timeout <laughs> uh, because Andy Reid wasn't signaling for one, and nobody else you know the, the higher ups or anybody I think on the field were signaling for a timeout. So the Chiefs were content to go ahead and let that just go to halftime. And yeah, the the whole 4D chess conversation going on was, oh well, this was just Sean Bethman, Sean Payton, wanting to you know kick the ball and see if the Chiefs might muff the you know the the ball just because Montreal Washington had the one earlier that kind of had a little bit of struggles with and the wind was blowing. So hey, maybe this is a good opportunity to just take advantage and see if you can get a turnover. No, he had, he t- he told the reporters after the game he just he thought it was third down. He didn't realize it was fourth down. Oh my God! That wait really. Yeah. Oh, I hadn't seen that. Yeah, he lost track. He said he lost track of downs. So, uh, I'm, I'm. Your phone's still working. I, my mouth is just open. I mean, it, my mouth is usually yeah. open. In this case, my mouth is open and no sound is coming out, which is rare. But you know what? Thursday night, Josh. That's what happens. Wow. Nobody's got any sleep, or you know, maybe that's the whole thing. It's just. You know it's what? A, it's a nonsense that's a, week. That's a good point. Everybody's cramming in game plans and everything, and then you just get a couple of coaching brain farts. Yeah. Uh, wow. Okay. Well, we're, we're going to talk to you again uh, at 11 a.m. later this morning, so I, I will let you go after this. The offense, the defense, the, some of the coaching decisions, some of the, the future of where this team goes, we, we'll, we'll break down a ton of that again. 11 o'clock tomorrow in the zone. Matt will be here in studio but the thing that we absolutely must discuss right now is a Cinderella run for Grazer. 128 yeah. in Fat Bear Week. Grazer takes down 32 Chunk in the final. We talked about uh, last week, this was the uh, 32 Chunk was the, the Rangers pick, essentially. I believe you said they said that that was the biggest bear in Alaska. But Grazer, a mama bear with a heart of gold and teeth of, uh, well, of teeth, a mouthful of teeth that she will use both to uh, to defend her cubs and to consume salmon at an unthinkable rate. Grazer, the 2023 Fat Bear Week champion. Matt Derrick, your thoughts? I mean, really impressive for so many reasons. I mean, one, you know, she wasn't one of the top four seeds, so she had to play in the opening round. Wow. Um, and, and was on the loaded side of the bracket because I think she had to, to go through, what was it? Was she go through Walker? She. Um, it, 747? Yep. Uh, and then Holly? And that's ex- Matt is not looking at notes. He just knew the matchups the whole way through, and that's 100% correct. 
she had to take down two former, you know, fat bear champions. And, and Walker, who, I mean, is one of the biggest bears in Alaska, you know, so that was, that was huge as it was. And then Holly, I mean, you know, she and Holly are, are, are two peas in a pod. Mm-hmm. Um, both have their strong fan bases. But honestly, I don't, if I remember correctly, I don't think any of these matches were pretty close. I mean, Grazer was, was definitely the people's champion this year. Um, she, she had, she had everybody working for her and, and Chunk, I mean, we've discussed it, um, some red flags. I yeah. mean, he had some issues, you know, this, this season. Uh, big bear. I mean, there's no doubt about it. He'll be back. I mean, he's a, he's a young, I mean, relatively young, mature bear. I mean, he's, he's got some more good years ahead of him and everything. This was his first trip to the finals, I believe. So, you know, he's, he's got more, you know, ahead of him and everything. But, uh, Grazer, she deserves it. And, I mean, let's face it, she was single this year. Pretty good chance she's coming back next year with Cubs. It'll make it a little bit harder for her. So uh, nice to see her get a title, you know, when she's when she's clearly earned it. This is, this is peak title-winning year for Grazer. She gets it done. Now she's going to go back. I didn't even think about the Cub angle, man. I mean, that's incredible. The, the solo season, she says, I'm going to go grab the crown. I'll see you next year with some Cubs that I'm going to turn into the next generation of fat bears. Yeah, and uh, and and uh, one of the and I don't think that she had to take her out, but you know, remember one of the bears uh, was it four twenty eight? I can't remember on her side of the bracket. One of the Grazer's cubs. So you know, wow. she's already she's already got you know second generation that's already representing in the fat bear bracket. So she's the I mean the, the Grazer Grazer lineage is going yeah. to be. Part of Fat Bear and, and kept my national park for a while now, and and I do know from the play by play that was done early in the season during mating season. I mean, I'll be very surprised the grazer doesn't come back with some cups. Hello. <laughs> I mean, there were there were some big name bears, you know, pursuing grazer during mating season. So, Are, I, this is a genuine question out of out of complete curiosity. Is there any way that we will be able to know? Is there a chance they will do some like genealogy testing? I've poked around the Fat Bear Wiki and I've seen some like mention of this, but it doesn't seem like it's super consistent. Are we going to figure out uh, who who was able to uh, to land Grazer this uh, this upcoming season? I mean, if so, it's probably going to take years. Okay. You know, every once in a while they do these darting projects where they will collect genetic samples and everything. And I think they did this. The last time they did this, I think it's either they haven't gotten the funding to do all the tests yet, or Whoa. they like lost some of them or something. So there's like, yeah, there's like, like apparently way behind on the genetic testing and everything. So some of the lineage that they know about is just because they've been, you know, they track the bears by their characteristics and they know who's who and whatnot. But yeah, it's it's some of it. Some of it is who's who is pretty sketch. So, but knowing okay. the knowing the father of a bear is very difficult. To know for sure. Yeah, that that makes sense. I guess, regardless, it, that makes it the Grazer Dynasty that we are currently witnessing, and uh, we we are all witnesses. Matt, I uh, I appreciate your time very very much, and I will appreciate it just as much in uh, ten hours and twenty minutes when we hopefully see a sauntering on in for the zone tomorrow. Can't wait, and 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 hey, if we if we reignite the bear talk for Jason, I know he'll love it. I think he's gonna be thrilled. I think we open with that, and then we just see. We got Dylan. Dylan's on our side, so I think we could we could figure out just a way to box Jason out if necessary. I'm intrigued. I, I enjoy this. I actually looked it up on my phone the last time, Matt. I was all on board. I I wanted to. Pick, I texted you that I wanted yeah. to pick and have us four choose one of the final four, and lunch was on the line. And, I would have been all for that. 
and, and I really last year for me, Dylan was sort of Matt bringing me up to speed very much right right before right during Fat Bear Week, and so now the last several months for me and Renee has been us actually following the season, and so really I think you're just beginning your Fat Bear era. And I I didn't want to say something ridiculous in front of experts last time, but I did tell you that the one that I thought was actually sitting down but was standing up that's the one that won what was that what was the grazer yes that you're right. one you're I, right when i first saw that picture that one i really was gonna pick if i was gonna get the number one overall pick that was my my go-to i thought that bear was sitting down that's how large <laughs> that bear is so yes it is a round bear and sure. you're, you're not a bandwagoner like you're you no. were, because you were on that grazer bandwagon you can say you were on that grazer bandwagon before she won right. the title Exactly. I will absolutely claim that. I'm really excited for whatever whatever our evolving group chat is of just bear talk. I think it's going to be really fantastic. Thank you, Matt. We'll uh, we'll do more bear talk in the morning. Can't wait to see you guys in a few hours. <laughs> That's, you literally can't wait because if we wait, it will be morning and we won't have slept. That's Matt Derek of ChiefsDigest.com and the foremost Fat Bear Week expert anywhere in America as far as I'm concerned, at least in the greater Kansas City area. Uh, there are some real crazies in the uh, in the chats, in the, the, the Explore.org YouTube chats and everything. But, man, it's always uh, always worth the time to be there. But Matt has brought now both of us, both me and Dylan, up to speed. And if you haven't checked it out, the cameras are still rolling, explore.org and uh, on the explore.org YouTube. It really is a treat. Uh, but Fat Bear Week has concluded. Grazer is a champion. Oh, and the Chiefs won a football game tonight, 19-8 to over the Denver Broncos. We'll come back and we'll hear a little more audio. Harrison Bucker, Willie Gay next. Sixty-yard attempt at the end of the first half. Fans in a frenzy. The snap, the placement, the kick. Butker leans into it. Butker! He's got it! From 60 yards away! Butker buries it to give Kansas City a 13-0 lead at the break. An absolute moonshot from Harrison Butker. I didn't see any of the, like, would have been good from however many yards stats that sometimes they have. Seemed like that thing would have been good from the opposite end zone i mean absolutely ridiculous distance there not i'm exaggerating but i think might have been good from 70 and i believe that was with some hostile wins and not necessarily straight on helpful wins uh which would have added even more range really a great kick and a huge game for harrison butker he was nails all day uh it's just that a lot of other spots in the uh the chiefs rotation we're not as strong on the offensive, or at least on the points-scoring side. But we uh, have talked plenty about how good the defense has been. Uh, the entire group of linebackers, man, really, really excellent. You get Nick Bolton back. He had a great playing coverage there on that interception, uh, which is not to, like, nitpick. But that's that's the part of his game that's been the weakest at this point in his NFL career. Is it, Does he have the range in, in coverage? And, man, he flashed some there. Then you have some big plays from Drew Tranquil, a big play from Leo Chanel, and Willie Gay is all over the place. So let's hear from uh, from Willie Gay as he was, what was it, the, he had a scoop on one, on the fumble, and I think he had a he had the batted pass that he brought down. That's off the top of my head. They're, they're really, pretty much everybody who played significant snaps defensively had an impact play today, and uh, Willie Gay amongst them. So let's hear from what the Juice Man had to say in the locker room after the game. 
I was talking to Justin Reed about this a little bit. Did, did you guys anticipate the kind of grind this game would be today against the Broncos? Uh, honestly, man, uh, we just try to go in as a defense and focus on our side of the ball. We never know what the offense is going to do. They might score 30 or 40. They might score 10, you know. Mm -hmm. So we just got to lock in on our on our part and uh, try to give up the least, least amount of points as possible. So you guys have been really in, in, a, in a zone defensively so far this year. And I was listening to the announcers during this game, actually, in particular, you came up and made a hit in the back from early in the game, and they said, this team is flying to the ball like they understand the defense better than ever before. Is, is that the way you guys feel right now? It's all confidence, man. It could be a different scheme. It could be the same scheme. You know, but at the end of the day, it's confidence and uh, details. So when you do, when you have, when you're confident and when you play with details, the big plays like that come. You know, the interceptions come, the forced fumbles come, because you're doing your job, staying consistent, and you're doing the little things right, and big things will come. Did you guys think you were going to be able to bat as many passes as you did today? That was a huge yeah, part of the George, game. I think George had like two of them, huh? And uh, yeah, man, when you play against a quarter, that's one thing Coach Spags uh, preaches all the time. You're playing against a quarterback under six feet, get your hands up, because he, he's throwing a lot of line drives. We can get our hands on him. Finally, uh, we, we talked a lot before the game about how hard it is that, that Thursday turnaround trying yeah, to recover your body. Yeah. But now you get the other side of it, which is a little yes, extra sir. rest. Yes, how nice is that going to be? Oh, it's wonderful, man. I'm about to go home, eat a couple chocolate chip cookies, and okay. enjoy these next four days. So. All right. yes, sir. Enjoy those cookies. Thank Thanks. You, All right, Willie. Appreciate you. Willie Gay with our own Nate Bucati there. Some chocolate chip cookies for the post-game meal for uh, for Willie Gay. I don't I don't have a, uh, a post-game snack plan for when I get home, but... Okay, I kind of want to see if I can find some chocolate chip cookies. <laughs> that is that is rude, really, Gay. Bring enough to share with the whole class if you're going to be talking about chocolate chip cookies. It's 1 a.m., man. I got I got to get some cookies. Before we do, though, let's hear from the man who I uh, threw that praise on at the beginning of the segment, and rightfully so. Harrison Butker had an absolutely huge night, a podium game, in fact. Here's, uh, here's what Harrison Butker had to say when he addressed the media after the Chiefs win when he was the team's leading scorer. Oh, definitely. You know, if anyone watches me on the sideline, I have my duct tape on the ground. I have measuring tape out, and I just try to be like a robot. And it really does start in the off season, developing a good foundation. So, if I know where I want my steps to be and what I want my technique to look like in the off season, when I get to the season and big kicks, I can just kind of get outside my body a little bit, just rely on you know my mechanics and not have to think a ton and. Hopefully the balls are going straight through, and you know, thankfully this season uh, I've had a lot of kicks where the balls are going right where I want them to. But definitely building that foundation, kicking wise, but also physically, and you know, making sure I'm feeling good. And I talked earlier about hurting that ankle last season. You know, it does mess up. You know, all your lifting, all your sprint work. So when you do come back, you're like struggling to hit the ball as far. But I'm feeling good, and you know, thankfully the balls are going through. I think I really had to be okay with my technique looking different. I used to skip downfield a lot, so my I would plant with my left foot and then skip, you know, maybe at a 45 degree angle, a uh, couple feet downfield. But now, you know, I don't really skip at all, and if I do, sometimes it's straight to the left or almost a little bit backwards. And you know, it's not, you know, perfect technique, but the balls are going through. And as a kicker in year seven. 
I'm not trying to, you know, be the, the best looking technique kicker there is. If the balls are going through, that's what I'm going to do. And I've had to adapt and evolve. But, you know, I still got a, a pretty decent follow through with the right leg. But, you know, I'm just not skipping downfield as much. But, you know, that's that's really minor stuff. At the end of the day, the ball's going through. That's the most important. Normally the crowd doesn't let me know, you know, I'll know before the crowd or I should, but it's been a, a lot of fun and it's a blessing to be able to play with the Kansas City Chiefs where, you know, we have a great coaching staff, great uh, team of guys and we're fortunate enough to win a lot of games. So I've been put on this pedestal where I am kicking big kicks and it's nothing to do with me as a kicker. It's just I'm on this team and I'm getting the spotlight a lot of times and, you know, it's just a blessing as a kicker. You, you don't really create kicks, right? You just are given chances to go out there and, and hopefully you, you produce and do well. But I never would have thought I'd, I'd be an NFL kicker now going on seven years and, and still, uh, you know, kicking the ball and feeling good. So just very thankful. Harris, like the 60-yard field goal, uh, just walk us through the process on that one. Right. In warm-up, I made a 65-yarder with some room to spare, and Coach Toad loves banging big field goals at the end of the half or end of the game, but our offense is so good, we normally get a, a short field goal or even score a touchdown. So a 60-yarder was definitely, or 61-yarder was definitely in, in our range, and going towards that tunnel, the wind was at my back, and, you know, thankfully it just went inside that left upright went through and you know it's just something we we practice and we try to be the best we can uh leading up to the game so that when we get to the games it just feels smooth and like we're in a rhythm so 65 yards was your range today 65 you know i i don't try to kick a ton of balls and warm up so like in past seasons i'd go back to 70 72 74 yards to see what my max was but this game you know i made from 65 okay probably could make from 68 69 or something with the wind, but yeah, made 65 in the warm-up. Given that you said you altered your technique a little bit, you You know, that's a good question. I never think about streaks. You know, I always talk about, I always say every kick's a big kick, and I really try to focus on just one kick at a time. But, you know, streaks definitely help for, for confidence and you feel good. But I think the way I've approached pregame warm-ups and practice, I'm hitting less balls and I'm just trying to be mentally confident going into it. Boom, I can make a big kick without having to warm up a ton in the net, you know, warm up, you know, on the uprights before maybe I'm kicking with the team. It's just trusting, you know, my mechanics and just going out there. So I think I probably came into this year just more mentally confident, not needing to kick a bunch of balls. And because of that, my legs feel better throughout the game and throughout the season. Harrison, it seems like you and Tommy are always when did you know that 60 <laughs> Not until it went through, because that one was flirting with the left to upright, and I knew the wind was a little left to right. So I was hoping it was going to you know, fade to the right a little bit, and, and it did. So very thankful on that. And just want to give a little shout out to Tommy, who was struggling with the left knee. And the fact that he played, man, he could be the holder, and that helps out me a lot to have someone that I'm familiar with that does a great job. And I definitely would not have had this game, most likely, if we brought in you know, a different kicker or different holder, different punter.
It's a good point there as Tommy Townsend uh, has gotten some extra flowers for his performance today, getting through the hamstring injury, briefly being involved in a tush-push, and helping to uh, bring Harrison Butker to a huge day as the team's leading scorer. One note on something that I was thinking about earlier, asked about throughout the world earlier, but now have a a verified answer for. 19-8 is not a scorigami. Scorigami is what it is when there is a game that ends in a final score that's never happened before. 19-8 19-8 to eight is not Scorigami. That has happened one time before, tweeted out by the NFL Scorigami account. That game happened on October 12th, 1927. So the first 19-8 to eight game in almost 100 years in the second in NFL history, and man, it was exactly as weird as the final score indicated. The Chiefs offense has not looked like the Chiefs offense that it, it's earned the reputation of being an absolute fire-breathing dragon with Patrick Mahomes at quarterback. But this is, by far, the best defense he's ever had on the other side of the field. There are pros and cons to a game that you win ugly, but the thing that we know for sure is the Chiefs have won five in a row and 16 in a row over the Denver Broncos. For years, that would have been an entire complete perfect season. Now the Chiefs will have to do it one more time in two weeks against Denver, but up next is the Chargers. In the meantime, we'll be back on The Zone tomorrow morning to break down all this all over again, and then it's an NFL quadruple header on Sunday here on Sports Radio 810 WHB. For Dylan Michaels and Covell Hudson, I'm Joshua Briscoe. Bye, Mom!